Welcome back, listeners. This is Strong Asian Lead in our Clubhouse replay of Hidden Gems and Where to Find Them. This was recorded on December 1st, 2021, and we it was just a small room, and we just had a conversation about other movies and recommendations, movies, TV, series, history, and um, a few things that we might want to share out with each other. And we also had a discussion about the industry in general, so I hope you tune in to listen. Uh, please join us on our clubhouses on Saturdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us for the conversation, bring up a new topic, uh, we'll have weekly conversations and we'll put them on the podcast and just have, now that we have replays, uh, Clubhouse has done a lot of updating since our last year and there's so much for us to keep talking about. So we'll be bringing back Clubhouse for the audience and for people to join in the conversation because I don't want it just to be a podcast between me and my guests or myself. And so we'll have a weekly conversation, uh, but again, please join us. Um, we'll be having different discussions each week and uh, you know, meet some people and see what we're about. For many of the movies and TVs we discussed in this clubhouse room, we put them in the show notes and links to them. And you can find most of them in the show notes below. Not all of them are there, so please continue listening. But if you want interested in what we were talking about, follow the links in the show notes and follow the people who were on the stage. And with that being said, here's our clubhouse conversation from last week. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm just about to get started. I'm trying to add the link at the top. If you'd like to raise your hand, please do so. And I will pull you up. Just one second. Copy, copy a link. There we go. And pin a link. Hey, Laura. Let's see, paste. There we go. Let's see. Come on up. Hello. Hi. How are you? How's it, how's it going? Good. I'm a little busy as of late. I'm a little stressed, but otherwise, I'm good. How about you, David? Oh, it's been all right. Today was a rough rough start to the morning, but um, I feel all right today. Just kind of getting things done. Just got, had a phone call and had a... I, I don't know if you it was following my uh, Instagram stories, but I... Uh, did you see my tree was getting cut down in front of my building? Yeah, I saw that. I'm so sorry. sad. Yeah, but they I called the building supervisor and he said that he's like, "Wait, they cut it out?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "It was supposed to be a trim." <laughs> so, he there's a little bit of tree left. I'm trying to save it and I think it might be saved. So, crossing my fingers that it uh that it works. Oh, wow. So I, he wasn't aware of the extent that they were going to trim it. Yeah. Well, I guess he asked for the trim, but because I guess the it was overshadowing my building and it was going into the gutters, the rain gutters. And so they just wanted it to f- not be doing that because it was clogging it up. But I guess they just trimmed weight. They just took it as, oh, let's just cut it, cut it out. <laughs> and so uh, uh, he's like, oh, that's not... Send me a picture. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so, um, uh, you know, I can see it's still touching my building and it's still kind of messy. So I like, if they want to trim it, like to not touch the building, that's fine. But the rest of the tree branch and bark is like still on the neighbor's property. So I hope that they'll like keep a lot of it. 
yeah. cost our fingers. But either either way, like you know, making phone calls. If he if I didn't make the phone call, they're probably just gonna cut it out. And mm-hmm. which I think it's just really important. Hey Tiffany, would you like to join us today? Um, but anyways, I, I just thought that was um you know I think people to to do that. Um, but since we're all kind of here and getting started, anyways, the topic of today. Uh, well, I'm starting at the clubhouse rooms again. I want to come back into doing more clubhouse rooms and um, kind of just having more conversations with gangs. I think it went well last year, and I haven't been back on. And I've been gone, been on clubhouse for the past couple of days, and it just feels good. So, um, yeah, I think today um, I'd like to talk about like any movies or TV shows that we don't know about that you might want to recommend. Um, I, I accept, I assume this room is going to be pretty small and maybe short, but I'd love to hear um, if you have any recommendations about movies or TV shows, web series or anything like that, that um, maybe got lost in time or we just don't know about because it's not mainstream, um, it, you'd like to recommend. So any mm-hmm. suggestions that we should we should know about? Well, I don't know, like, how well-known it is, so I might say the title, and you might be like, oh, I'm familiar with that show. Um, But over the summer on CW, I believe, and HBO Max, they started airing um, a show from New Zealand called Wellington Paranormal. Oh, I haven't heard that one. What's that about? Okay. Well, have you heard of What We Do in the Shadows? Yes. Okay, have you seen the movie? No. Okay, so so first of all, there's a movie um, before the TV show that came out about five years ago. It was co-directed by Taika Waititi and Jimmy Clement, and they're in it too. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of like the start of this wacky vampire supernatural universe they created. Um, There's this one scene in it that has these two aloof New Zealand cops who come into the house when there's something going on and they don't even realize that it's well beyond legal. Sorry about the yelling on my end. It's okay. I'm sure I'm going to get it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the show Wellington Paranormal is about those two cops and their adventures of being part of the paranormal unit, unit of Wellington PD. And what's, what's, um, is it, you said it was a TV series, right? Sorry? I'm, you're losing out. I thought you had stopped. Maybe you're just breaking up. I didn't catch it. Wait. I'm losing you. Hello? You're breaking up. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, now I can hear you. You're breaking up. You said after uh, the cops in Paranormal in Wellington. That's the pretty much the last thing I heard. Okay. Well, basically, it's about the two cops from What We Do in the Shadows and their adventures as part of the paranormal unit of Wellington PD. Oh, cool. <laughs> Who's in it? Anybody? Who, are there Asian actors in it? No, but one of the 
main characters is Maori. Is Maori? Maori, the indigenous people of New Zealand. Oh, okay. I don't know, I don't know the term. That's great. After we'll put down the list of things to watch. There's so, just so much. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see what let's see what John's up to. Hey, John. Hey, what's going on, dude? I'm doing all right today. The topic today is uh, hidden gems and where to watch them. So, do you know any Asian American, Pacific Islander, any you know shows that we should watch that we don't really know about? Um, Lauren just added, what was what was it called again? Wellington Paranormal. Wellington Paranormal, and that was from New Zealand. Uh, do you have any uh, recommendations that we might not know about? I think the the idea is that they're not just not mainstream. <laughs> so. You want Asian American, right? Not Asian. That's that was my uh, my my goal here is to see what other Asian American stories that are building, so that we can you know, there's just we we don't the representation isn't a lot, and we don't see much. But I do know that there's so much out there, especially from like the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s um, that we don't know. So I'm trying to hear about what other people are maybe have watched whether they're contemporary or non-contemporary that were that I might I sh- that people should watch. Oh, I should probably think of one that actually fits within the category for this evening. Yeah, that's okay. I still want still I like to hear other things, but yeah, that's <laughs> I want to build like a I want to try to build like a library and um there's just there's just a lot that so stuff do. like stuff like better luck tomorrow, like something along those lines. Yeah, better luck tomorrow. Chan is missing. Uh, the cheat. Uh, uh, the debut. Like, there's so many that we just don't hear about. Like, I'm not looking for the Joy Luck Club or uh, Shang Chi. I'm looking for all those things that, like, okay, what are the what are the classics that maybe we don't know about? Yeah, I think. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, I don't know enough about. Asian American stuff, and I should because I know a bunch of like Korean movies because I really got into Korean, uh, you know, cinema a while back. But I, I'm sure that if I think about it for a while, I can come up with something. So give me a yeah, second. sure. Well, we could think about it or share some Korean movies while you're while you think. I mean, the 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 farewell is pretty mainstream. I would say. Yeah, you know? yeah, we know that, uh, <laughs> and it is excellent. And I do recommend it if you haven't seen it. But yeah, um, let's see. Huh. Searching was good mm-hmm. with John Cho. Mm-hmm. I was actually surprised by how much I liked it. Um, let's see. Yeah, I really like that one too. I should watch it. I thought that was just incredible um, storytelling through through the camera, through through the computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do well, I think. Uh, yeah, it sucks too. One of the recommendations might I have. Um, oh, um, well, there's... Oh, what's the fucking title? Uh, wait, I have it. The Flower Drum Song. So that's one of the first Asian-American, uh, most Asian-American cast ever to be ever to be shot. Um, and although, that, that was a that was a theatrical production first, right? Right, it was theatrical production. There's Roger Hammerstein's um, musical, and there was so much criticism behind it um, because it was you know it's like oh white men did this, but 
you know, as, as did some of our research, like Flower Drum Song was written by Asians for Asians. And then because it was a book first, uh, C.Y. Lee was the author. And then they put it into a play, but the musical, the music part of it was done by Roger Tamashines. Um, and the, those who acted in it, it was like Nancy Kwan and I think James Shigeto was in it, maybe. Um, they're like, this doesn't, when we did it, it was like, it was not, we didn't see anything that was racist about it. It was about Asians and Asians doing it. And this was this, this was the songs. It just happened to be the music part of it was written by white people and white men. But like, I still haven't watched it, but it's where you can watch it on YouTube. It's there. Um, whole thing that I need to go into it, but very, um, that was the, that was the cool thing back then. I think we just don't know. We haven't watched it yet. We haven't done that cinema history. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think you're, you're exploring some really, uh, cool things here. I just thought about, uh, this is also pretty mainstream too, but the namesake that was from years ago. Mm, I remember hearing about it. I don't think I watched it. Can you, can, I think, can you dive into it a little more? It's, yeah, it stars Cal Penn. And, you know, <clears throat> it also stars, uh, Irfan Khan who plays his father, uh, and, you know, it's about a family who moved from India at a young age to America. And then over the course of the years, as Cal Penn's character grows up, he becomes more and more uh, Americanized. And then it's also this, like, journey and meditation into, like, finding out, you know, reconnecting with, like, who he is. And, you know, going back to India to, to help along with that journey. And... You know, I may not be Indian, but I can sort of put myself in that situation. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it when I watched it. Yeah, that's cool. I forgot that that was a thing. I'm trying to find out. I think it's on Amazon. No, that's just the DVD. I'm trying to find. You know where to watch it? I don't. I remember watching it in a movie theater, like when it first came out. And I feel like. I feel like that's like a, it feels like a 2007, 2005 kind of movie. It's like somewhere. Yeah, it's 2006. Um, Yeah, so really, really close to it. I'm looking at it. (laughs) It's a YouTube video that says, the KKK reviews the namesake. (laughs) I don't want to watch that. Um, (laughs) That sounds awful. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to look at like, uh, like just, just watch.com because they usually have it where, Oh, I go to that too. I use that in Letterboxd, and I think that they're connected, those two things. Yeah, namesake. You can watch it, so you can rent it on um, Apple TV, like all the, all the usual platforms. And then I think it's, you can subscribe to it on Cinemax through Prime Video, which I think you can probably get like a seven-day free trial or something and just cancel out. But... That's cool. All right, cool. I need to adding that to my list. <laughs> There's also a movie that I saw like a while ago that um, I wasn't a fan of, but maybe it's it's like up your alley. It's it's by Georgia Lee. Um, I don't know the name of it. I'm gonna look it up right now. Yeah, I don't know that name. Lauren, did you think of think of something else to to add? Yeah, it's one of those things where. You know, once I think about it, a bunch of titles are coming to mind. So, <laughs> um, I don't know where to start. I just throw one out there. It doesn't have to be your favorite. Just whatever comes to your head. I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in just watching more and, you know, changing, 
changing my my screens and seeing what what else has been out there so mm-hmm. but there's always you know new names i've never heard of georgia lee so hearing just hearing and see what people are doing what what else is out there because i feel like there's there is no database out there um i know someone who's making it but even then like it's not full <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, a few names on there so yeah i'd love to hear anything that people are people are doing well, one title that comes to mind, I wouldn't call it Hidden Gem. I just don't think it's as well-known yet because it's pretty new and it's an independent film. It's called Lumpia with a Vengeance. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. It stars uh, April Absinthe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's in it. I heard. I've, and Mark Munoz plays Queen. I've been hearing really good buzz about it. I really want to watch it. <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times already, and it is a super fun film. Um, yeah, shout out to Patricio Janelsa, who directed it, Lawrence Iriarte, AJ Calamoy, Justin Kizan. I don't think they're listening to this right now, but I just <laughs> names out there because they're awesome and this universe is amazing. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a sequel to a film that Patricio made several years ago called Lumpia, where it follows <laughs> um, this silent Filipino-American guy who fights evil by weaponizing lumpia. <laughs> that's great. I actually didn't know there was a there was a prequel to it, so that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was like it's like the ultimate of homemade videos you can get. Like it was made over the course of 7 years and there's times Whoa. where it shows. That's um awesome. Yeah, but because, you know, they're older and wiser and more experienced now, like of course the effects on this one way more top-notch. Um, but still all fun, still has the same quirkiness that the original had. It have, has a lot of returning characters as well, along with new characters. It's just really fun. Even though it's a sequel, I would say you don't have to watch the original to, cool. to enjoy this one. Cool. Lumpia. How are you? <clears throat> you know where to watch Lumpia? I know Lumpia Avengers is going through the festival route right now, so right. is there a way yeah, to watch well, Lumpia? So the original film Lumpia is available on DVD, and I think you could buy it through online, like on Amazon, and also through um, the Kid Heroes store. Kid Heroes okay. is the name of Patricio's, uh, Patricio's production company. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, so you could just buy the DVD on there. Um, and yeah, Lumpy with Inventions just played at Comic-Con last week. I mean, that's like the first Filipino-American anything to play at Comic-Con. So, I mean, props to the cast and crew for that huge achievement there. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, so the uh, the name of the movie is Red Doors. It came out two thousand five. It's written by Georgia Lee, and I think she also wrote couples episodes of uh, The Expanse, which is a great show. But uh, that's the name of the movie, and I saw it at a festival and. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, if, if you watch it, you let me know what you think about it, and I guess we can talk about it, but it has been a while. Yeah, cool. See, these are the things that I don't know about. I just, yeah, I want to watch and see what people are, have watched, because I'm looking at it now. It's Tai Ma, Jacqueline Kim, Zinko. Like, it's got good names on it. Yeah, and even Lumpia. Like, I love those older independent films, because... Um, they're just so they're just they just do what they want, <laughs> yeah, and they're no, um, they make it happen. Uh, and just it just kind of sh- talks about like 
even just the creativity and the need to want to watch it and just the fun of it. Like you don't have to, you don't have to have the big budget or the, you know, big names. It's just like, let's just go make it and have, have a lot of fun around it. So that's sweet. <clears throat> There's another I mean, one. At the risk of self-promotion, like I did a film, it's on YouTube for free. It's like 10 minutes long. Yeah. What's if it called? want to watch it. It's uh, it's it's a sketch more like it's uh it's called uh the Asian who didn't like Parasite. <laughs> Sounds like a video I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, never, it's I'll uh, never it watch just, Parasite again. <laughs> just go uh, just go on uh, Instagram and it's on my the link is on my bio, but uh, I think it's got like three thousand some views already. Okay. Plateaued, plateaued off there, but. You know, we had a lot of fun shooting it and, uh, you, you know, but it doesn't reflect my opinion. of Par- Like, I love Parasite. I just thought it'd be a funny premise that the one Asian guy who doesn't like it and now everyone hates him. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> um, let's see. Saving Face. That's sort yeah. of mainstream-ish. Yeah. Saving Face. I think there's, there's Saving Face in half of it. I can never know which one was most recent. The half of it was recent, right? Yeah, I think Saving Face came. I feel I, I'm thinking 2004. Somewhere I think it was right. like my one of my yeah, very first auditions. Yeah, Saving mm-hmm. Face came out in 04. Mm-hmm. Yeah, half of it one was my, last my very first auditions too, like a cattle call. Oh, um, no oh wow! Yeah, but uh, it was great. Yeah, <clears throat> there's another one I haven't watched yet. Um, I have it on my list, but it's called Double Happiness. It's with Sandra O, oh, and I think it was like 2011, 2009. It's like an uh, Asian Canadian film, and I don't, I don't watch the whole thing, but I mean, like Sandra O, oh, you gotta want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds cool. That's on Amazon That'll Prime. Be... You can watch that. Um, there's actually a lot you can watch on um, Tubi, T U B I, and what's. Um, really funny about it you can't like totally you can search asian search asian american there's a lot of uh asian movies on there but you can there's a lot of like interesting asian american films um that are free tubi tubi is weird because tubi.tv is owned by fox and fox is known for like having the worst representation (laughs) for asian americans especially um but you can yeah but you can watch like um uh, awesome Asian bad guys with all, you know, E.G. Okamoto, Marilyn, um, uh, Mar- uh, what's, God, I'm forgetting your name right now. From National Film Society. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I thought that was, that was silly and fun, but even, I still really enjoyed it too. Um, one, two of them that I really want, I want to recommend on there too is, um, Ping Pong Playa. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That was great. Uh, just he's totally a basketball head who has to um, the to make money or to, to teach to save the family and get the stuff. He has to teach ping pong, <laughs> but he's such a such a douche. But I love it. Um, that was like that's got to be a 2010, 2004. Um, and the other one was oh, it was kind of it's pretty sad, but I really enjoyed it. Was um, why don't cry, Mister Chen? Oh, I have to find it again. Um, it's about a very you know simple, simple man, a um, kind of kind of a, a, a 
mentally challenged man who has who finds who his he finds his daughter. Um, <clears throat> you know, he kind of goes to the day and loses her and stuff like that. But whew, that ending was oh, that was heartbreaking, and so you like really changes your whole perspective of what that story was. And so uh, let me find it for you, and I'll, I'll bring it back up. But that was um, like be happy. I mean, no, that's the wrong title. Um, where'd it go? Maybe I have to like friendly. got to be somewhere Asians where'd my remote go I'll find it any other recommendations you think about I'm bring up my, my list I have a whole I have a whole list of like uh, Excel sheet it's just like films that we should watch <laughs> it's more recent but uh, the paper tigers oh yeah oh, oh yeah I've seen that one yeah that was- that was great. I thought that was like fully well developed and just a good story. I'm sad it needs to get more um more views, more buzz. I think it made made one of the top ten on Netflix that week or whatever. Yeah, it was. And you did a good job. Oh, I didn't I didn't even know that it was on Netflix. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I I remember watching on something before maybe, I don't remember. That was Yeah, I saw it. Last year, through the Hawaii International Film Festival, since it was mm. completely virtual. Yeah, I saw it on a. There was a limited release, like near, like where I live in New Jersey, which I was kind of surprised about, but pleasantly mm. surprised. <clears throat> so that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, there, here's the title. It's called "Cheer Up, Mr. Lee." It's on Tubi.tv. Um, he's, he's like this very handsome strong asian man but he's like challenged <laughs> so it's like oh okay <laughs> um very really incredible movie um i haven't watched the motel yet i know that's oh that's some king is in it right i think so yeah uh yeah sun king Man, I was so mad that, like, I went to go watch, um, it was recent, it was a recent movie, he was just in it, um, Snakehead. Oh, Snakehead. Snakehead, he was in it, and then I went to go to see the premiere, and he was sitting in the audience, (laughs) and we were actually at the party, and... He was giving me the head nod a couple of times. I was like, hey, man, so I, was, I was busy or whatever. And I didn't know it was him. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> Wait, do was, you know each other? Did he, like, recognize you from something? I, I thought he might have recognized me, but I didn't recognize him. I'm like, why are you giving me the up nod? Because I don't know who you are. But I know I was on set one day, and I took photos of him. I Maybe I had said hi to him back then. That was, like, 2017. I was like, you can't remember who I am. Like, I don't remember who you are. It's been years. And so and he was also wearing this big colorful, colorful hoodie. And I'm a, I'm a 
I recognize people by their hair. And I, I, recently I've understood my, that about myself. So if you have really good hair, I recognize that. If he, and he was covering his hair, so I couldn't see him. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, I don't know how you recognize me. But once I saw him at the things, I was like, oh, you're him. <laughs> um, it's so funny. Now I see his name everywhere. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, he's pretty good, too. There's also, um, I will make you mine. Um, Lin Chen, I think she did a few films. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. With, um, uh, and that was supposed to be out on, on a, a certain festival and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Go Nakamura. South by. South by. They did a screening recently, like a couple months ago. Um, in yeah. LA and didn't, didn't get to make it, but you can watch. That's again another one you can watch for free on on Tubi and a couple of different places. But those are nice um, independent films. Like I feel like those were these are like the, these are the Sundance films of Asian America. I was like, oh, this is definitely a Sundance film <laughs> or a South by film. Yeah, sure. Oh uh, yeah, my my friend was in one. I just it just came to mind. I think it's called I think it's called Picture of You. And it's a film oh. by J.P. Chan. Yeah. Hmm. Chan? Yeah, C-H-A-N. And uh, Joe May is in it. I was in a show with her, like one of my first shows ever, uh, like in 2005 or something. Uh, 2013? Does that sound right? I believe so. Let me let me just see real quick. Yeah, JP Chan. Yasmin go. Oh, I know Yasmin. There we go. Cool. <clears throat> see, this is how we source new movies and figure out what's What's out there? The other one. <clears throat> Something that's not Asian. Hey, David. What's up, man? Um, how you doing, David? It's good to see you. Right on. So we're doing um, hidden gems and where to watch them for Asian American movies. Uh, basically, just anything that's like not mainstream, not Shang Chi or the Joy Luck Club, or things that we always hear about. We're looking for movies and TVs and web series and stuff like that. That uh, and documentaries that uh, you know don't get the light of day. We want to watch them, and maybe if you have a <clears throat> a link or nowhere to watch them, we'd love to hear. But we don't have to have the link. It just we're, We've sourced things like uh, Lumpia and Lumpia with a Vengeance. Um, we just talked about A Picture of You from 2013 and uh, a few others. So, yeah, do you have any, uh, any recommendations that you might have on top of your head? I have a film, though, well, uh, but it's not – it's Asian, but it's not Asian-American. I don't know if it counts, but, it, but, but, but it's not super <laughs> Asian-American, but I'll mention it anyway. It's yeah. called Zero to Hero. Zero to Hero. Yeah, it's on Netflix, actually. 
and it is without giving the whole thing away. It is a film. I believe it's done in China. Uh, it is a film about a a person on the autism spectrum who wants to who wants to run. Who wants to like be like a, a you know like kind of like run like in terms of like uh, you know uh, competitive running. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love watching movies like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 It's from Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong. Yeah. Yes. 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 That one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. It's. Yes. It's pretty good. Uh, First athlete to win gold at the Paralympic Games. Mm-hmm. From Hong Kong. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, since we, we talked about it earlier, but um, cheer up, Mr. Lee on uh, 2B.TV. <clears throat> you might like that one, too. It's about okay. a, a challenged man, um, mentally challenged man, who who has beautiful face and strong arms and all that, but he's just challenged. But he finds his daughter, and um, he's got, you know, you're my daughter, how do I take care of you, and that kind of stuff. So if you like that Zero to Hero, you might like that one, too. Yeah, oh, oh, oh cool. I don't know if you saw the, there's a Japanese one also on Netflix as a series. It, was, it only lasted one season, but it's pretty good. It's called Duty Shame, right? Hmm. It's, yeah, it's about like, it's like, so it's a British Japanese because it's part, uh, large part of the uh, the series is done in Britain and then certain parts of it are done in Japan. So it's, it's loosely based on uh, a Japanese guy who works for, uh, you know, the, I guess, whatever you want to call it, like the police force or the FBI in Japan. And he has to go to Britain to find his brother who is wanted by the government because he was a part of like some kind of, you know, mob group. Right. And so it's, it's him going to London, attempting, attempting to find his brother, but going undercover as if he is like, you know, taking some kind of advanced, advanced, you know, class uh, at the, uh, I guess you call it the Crown Police there in the UK. So it's pretty good. Is that the, the Giri Haji? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that one. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I kind of wanted to ask ask uh, David a question, or you, you guys a question generally, but um, it's a little bit off topic, but like not really. But I was curious about what your take was. Um, because I haven't seen Shang Chi yet, I've mm-hmm. heard, I've heard like a few people like when they talk about it, they talk about it in a positive light. But they're always like, uh, not always, but it, it's happened like a couple times where they give this like sort of disclaimer where it's just like, yeah, like it was, it was way better than it had any right to be. And I wonder, like, like what's your instinct say about that? Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> Do they mean that, regarding uh, the source material it, it originally came from, or like what do they mean specifically? No, I don't think so. It feels to me that like they just thought the movie was going to be shitty, and then they watched it, and then they liked it. But mm-hmm. it's like nobody said that about Black Panther. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is it like? I'll let Lauren and David take it take it first. You have any any thoughts? Yes, I think it is. And 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 just one question for you: Who is saying it? Who are the people that are saying it? Are they are they Asian? Are they white? No, there were there were two white guys, uh, two different white guys that said that. Oh, okay. Well, 
<laughs> so then then that kind of simplifies the the answer right it it simplifies it to and 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 by the way while people didn't necessarily say that about black panther they were saying it in the process of the idea of the film even coming about right right mm. you know you know so so they were kind of so they were kind of making that statement when they were trying to get the film off the ground right you know right so they were saying it saying it then but i i let's just put it like this there are a lot of white people who just have who who seemingly have a kind of feeling that whatever is going to be produced by people of color is always going to be viewed as like lower lower than right right so if to them it is better than they thought right then it has somehow met some element of their expectations and they're not going to necessarily give it you know uh you know any any kind of full praise right at all right so that's my take on it hmm yeah that's sort of the feeling that i got i just want to you're on the right track lauren did you see it i did see it yeah um i knew that the the source material the original marvel comics were problematic like like the shang chi and that was said to be very racist i've never read it but that's just what i've been told um but for the film i liked it um i feel kind of more mellow about it but i guess part of it is that it's a film that's obviously meant to be seen on the big screen and i didn't go to the movie theater when it was in theaters because covid um but i don't know i liked it i liked how nuanced it was with portraying different Asian American experiences, their characters like Katie and Shang Chi. Yeah, and and I'm not saying that like oh like you have to like it. It's just it was just it was just an interesting way to put it. You know, um, that's that's why I was curious like like uh, what you what what you guys thoughts were and 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 I think David pretty much echoed like I think the feeling because like one time it's like oh okay but it it happened like on two different occasions by like you know two different like white guys so. You know, it's just like, oh, it's not another ethnic movie. And then they see and they're like, oh, you know what? It was actually pretty good. So, yeah, it's that it's that soft bigotry, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, it's like you're pretty good looking for such and such. Right. You know, that kind of soft bigotry. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Let me bring Richard up here if he wants to come up. But yeah, I my thoughts on it. I mean, you can go to our, our, our podcast and we have a whole, we have a three hour clubhouse that people had to discuss on what, um, well, their thoughts and a bunch of agents came up on stage. And, uh, one of the, one of my friends, he said, um, and it kind of sums it up. This was like, uh, a for effort, a for representation to be on screen, but like, it's a C because <laughs> even for me, it was like, well, it was good. I'm glad we had the conversation. I'm glad we got to see agents on screen, superhero, Good stuff. We we need that. I'd love to see it. But for me, one, they still made him an asexual character. He had no romantic. Oh, really? Okay. Um, It it was straight off the back of the first act. Like, nope, we're just friends. And that was it. That was it. I'm like, what? (laughs) And then um, he had, you know, his classic storytelling in, in really good movies, you start to see that the main character want something and want something very specific for them whether it be Harold and Kumar they just want a burger <laughs> just want some right castle or you want uh, someone something like um, 
even not the farewell, but like <clears throat> I can't think, even even Indiana Jones. That's not even the right place, but most movies, the main character wants something. Shang Chi didn't want anything. He, he just wanted to. Um, and his job, he's like, we just want to stay here. I don't want a promotion. I just want. I like my job that I'm having. I'm just a driver. I want it here. And that's what they both said. That's his actual his actual goal in the whole movie is that to get away from his father. But he accomplished that within the first five minutes. Like he was away from his father, and so his whole goal was like to go into hiding, <laughs> and he had accomplished that. So. And or didn't accomplish it later, but you know, five minutes later. But that was the whole thing. So when he, when they actually, I don't want to. It's not even much of a spoiler, but at the end of the movie, he just didn't do anything. It came back to ground zero. Like he still had the same job basically, and he didn't, he didn't accomplish any goals. So it was very weird that the storytelling was just like off. And so, like, go watch. Like it. he was still the same person at the end. Yeah, as the beginning. Pretty basically. much. Yeah, and so you know, there. And I don't want because you haven't seen. I won't go dive into too many. No, no it's it's all right. I, you know, like I was definitely going to see it at some point, but like Lauren said, like I want to see in the theater, but then you know the Delta variant. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't like like the Green Knight was like the only movie in the theater that I saw, uh, and that was before the Delta. Uh, but yeah, I, I was definitely going to watch it on Disney Plus at some point. So, but I think I think your criticisms sound like something that's important to me yeah as far as like ah okay well that's kind of underwhelming you know but here's uh, how here's how i see it too is that there were five writers on that film two of them were mixed asian so dan dustin dan uh critton this then dan critton was a mixed japanese hawaiian the other guy, I keep, God, I keep saying his name. Um, he was mixed Chinese American. The other three dudes were white men. So mm-hmm. that's that's like that's my basis. Like you, this is this is not how you build um, good storytelling. <laughs> it's not how you yeah. do Asian American stories. Like you, you're not even building like a, a wealth of Asian American writers to then write on something else to then doing where you just basically Brian. Two mixed agents who are, you know, even both of them kind of look at Dustin uh, Dustin Crenn's, um movie history. It's like he doesn't do any he hasn't he didn't do any Asian films before. He did Just Mercy, Twelve, uh, uh, Short Term Twelve, a couple others. None of them had Asians in them. So this was his first Asian film, and same with the other dude. It's first Asian film. Just like what? Wait, ju- uh, Just oh. Mercy starring Michael B. Jordan? Yeah. 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 Like, that was a good film. Difference, and I don't, you know, I. It's not wise to compare Black Panther to Shang Chi. Those are two completely different films. Like, I don't want to draw too many comparisons, but since we're talking about screenwriters, Black Panther only had two, and both screenwriters were two black men. Mm-hmm. So, like, why is why is it that Shang Chi has white writers involved at all? Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Well, yeah, and. You know, what's also interesting, so do you remember the film Selma? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, it was actually written and directed by Ava DuVernay, but she wasn't originally mm-hmm. the director. It was originally a white director attached to the film. And the original script was all about uh, uh, the president at the time, you know, uh, getting the Civil Rights Act passed, as opposed to about 
what everybody knows DeMarco and Selma is. When she came in and took over, she rewrote the whole script and said, nope, not going to be that anymore, right? It's something completely different. So that does boldly lead the question, you know, it sounds like it, it, people are just going to have to start making some, you know, s- some reckless, right? And say, nope, this isn't going to work because, you know, we, we we'll clearly say it ain't going to work, right? You know, so, you know, so somebody's going to come and say, nope, that's not the way it's going to be done. We don't need these individuals here. Uh, uh, let's let's do it. I think, but I also think the other thing that would probably, I guess, if you want to talk about the, the writers for, uh, you know, Shang-Chi, you know, right, is so, you know, obviously the people that were writing for Black Panther and, and obviously the director, they were comic book fans, right? So they kind of understood, stood, they understood the universe and, and they understood the characters in the universe. So while they took some liberty to make a few changes, right, in the places like they always do, right? These are coming from people who are comic book fans doing it, and you might have needed some, you might have needed an additional person, an AAPI person in there, and maybe next time they do another film who is a fan of the MCU comic book universe, right? Because then that person has a, a better ability of kind of understanding a little bit of the nuance of the you know of, of the history of the character and of the characters in the universe, and then can uh, add a little bit more uh, you know into it than kind of like with the Eternals, because, you know, what what is her name? Chloe Zhao is never, she's another one that's never directed an Asian film. Or, or you know, or a film with any persons of color, right? Right. You know, her, she's managed to make her career kind of doing films about, like, you know, the, you know, the downtrodden, trodden folks in middle and, and South America, who, you know, all happen to be white, which is interesting that she's made her career that way. But the Eternals was her first, you know, MCU film, and, eh, you know... You know, I think mm. she's a good director, or you know, in general. But eh, you know, eh, for that film. So I think it is, you know, when they're trying to reach out and give people opportunity, right? Which they should. They should be trying to also find people or pair them with folk who have that within the community, who have that kind of, uh, you know, that's their, that's their, that's their arena, right? That's the thing that they love. Hell yeah. That is true. Ryan Coogler is a nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the plenty of Asian comic book comic book fan nerds who love to be in the movie industry, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who, who you can pair up to make that to make it to uh, uh, to make it work. But I had another suggestion for you guys. Okay. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's another one called Move to Heaven. It's also on Netflix. Uh, so uh, it's so far it's only been around one season, so I don't know if it'll come back again. But Move to Heaven was it, it or without giving away the whole thing. It is a, and I don't know why this, some of the things I'm watching just happen to have this, but it is a young boy on the autism spectrum mm. and his and his father who basically what they do is when people die, they, and, and, and their bodies are taken out of wherever they live at, they go to the place to clean it up, you know, to clean up the whole place, to take all their, you know, to take all their belongings out. They're like almost like some kind of trauma cleaners, right? Right. Uh, and... Uh-huh you know, trauma cleaners. And then there's some stuff they always save in the box that, you know, the the boy on the spectrum knows has to go to some some person within, some person either close, related to them or some loved one or someone that was close to them. And, you know, uh, they try to find out who that individual is to get it. But things happen and it turns into a little bit of, a, a you know, a uh, an adventure. That's good. All right, thanks for the uh, 
the suggestion. I, I just want to say that I, I, I got to peace out, but it was great talking to you guys and you hearing all your perspectives. Uh, also, uh, I, I, like David, actually, you actually kind of made me think about like a sketch or a character I can write about, like an Asian character who mm-hmm. like can't hook up with the with the love interest because like mm-hmm. the the all seeing eye is like watching and like he can't you know like the like whoever's running the the matrix like of the of that movie mm-hmm. like he just can't he just can't like hook up with the the girl because the producer of the movie that he's in like is not allowing him to have a romantic interest <laughs> um so I'll probably work on that but uh anyway and yeah, let us know yeah yeah yeah, okay. thanks, John. And and before you go, you know, we have I have now Clubhouse does recordings now, so we're doing a whole recording, and I'll put this on the um the, our podcast list if that's okay with everybody. I just want to make sure. Yeah. I have some permissions. All right, cool. Right on, cool man. All, All right. right, thanks, John. See you around. All right, take care, folks. Peace. <clears throat> yeah, David. Uh, David, did you watch that The Streets that I sent you that that time? Did you download it? Ooh, no, the, the episode six. I have it on my my list. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to add add another to everybody's list, and I'll I'll actually um I'll copy it and put it on the the link here. Um, it's called the the Visions in the Dark: The Life of Pinky Thompson. It's okay. it's, a, it's a series on KCET, and I haven't watched it, but I have it on my thing. It's basically about this uh, Native Hawaiian community. Um, it says who left a legacy of positive social change, part of the Pacific heritage. Um, yeah, he was during World War II, and he got um, wounded. So I'm going to pin link. This is I'll get you in one second. I'll bring you up to stage. Um, there we go, Warren. What's up, Warren? <clears throat> but yeah, this is. I think this is. It's got a, it's like five or six episodes that seem like something to watch. I think that'd be kind of cool. I don't. I haven't seen too much, but um, I guess maybe it's not five episodes. But there's definitely like three hour long uh, documentary kind of things that are on there. So. Check it out. Uh, but Warren, welcome to the stage. How are you doing today? Yeah. Doing just fine. Uh, I'll do a little reset. Uh, basically, we're doing a hidden gems and where to watch of you know Asian American and Pacific Islander films, uh, TVs, web series, um, anything that you could think of that maybe we should watch. Something that's not mainstream, not Shang-Chi, we, <clears throat> or like the Joy Luck Club, things that we hear all the time. I'm really looking for um, things that just never made the cut who didn't get enough marketing all that kind of stuff so do you have any any suggestions off the top of your head i'm not quite a media savant so i don't have a whole lot of uh um a huge back catalog that i can currently recommend so just came in here to listen cool man well i see that you're uh um san diego's the deputy of public defender um so you, are you you're interested in, in law and um, and what kind of law? So as a public defender, I do only criminal defense work, and so I represent those who you know who are indigent who cannot afford their own attorney, and so they ask the court to appoint a lawyer for them. So the court appoints my office, and we get assigned cases. Sweet, I'm gonna see. I'm trying to. I, I bring that up because I want to see if I, if I if it peaks any any films that I might have watched that you might want to recommend. I might want to recommend, but I can't oh, think of any. Oh, I know one. Yeah, go ahead. 
Uh, Warren, are you familiar with the uh, former public defender of San Francisco, Jeff Adachi? I am, yes. I have never met Jeff, but, you know, as a public defender, we all know, you know, what he stood for and what he's about. Mm -hmm. Did you know he was also a filmmaker? I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, he's made, he's, yeah, he was specialized in documentary filmmaking along with being the public defender of San Francisco. So quite of a, a large hobby that he had there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like his last, yeah, I think it was his last feature length film was called The Defender where he oversaw the case that, I don't remember what the case entailed exactly, but I know that dived into a lot of, you know, how people from the black community are treated by the, so-called justice system in this country. So this is about him coming to the defense of a young black man who really needs his help with this situation that he's in. Um, yeah, it's a quite an insightful documentary. And the fact right, that right. You know, he was also making this documentary and it was in it, it was interesting. Well, maybe we need some more films about uh, Asian-American lawyers. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's definitely a few. I'm trying to... I know there's definitely a lot of Asian American lawyers. I'm just trying to think of any um, uh, and politicians. I can't think of any on the top. Uh, was uh, Jeff Adachi's uh, documentary is that face, racial facial or is that something else? The racial facial is eight minutes, but mm, no. Wait, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's one of the films he did. <clears throat> um, he also did um, a documentary 15 years ago that maybe you might have heard of, David, called The Slanted Screen. Yes, I'm looking up his thing right now. The slanted screen is great. Uh, that was like 1985. And it's also, um, you don't know Jack Sue, which was also really great uh, about the, the actor Jack Sue. It was, um, yeah. Oh, man, I didn't realize he's, he's pretty big. That's cool. Good, good recommendation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and now that you guys went into law, I had to, law enforcement and all that kind of stuff, I had to think of the. There's a new t there's a news TV series spinoff. It's not talked about a lot, but it's doing well in the ratings. It's NCIS Hawaii, and uh, Vanessa Lachey and Alex Tarrant are 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 like both the two main stars, <laughs> of, two main ones. So it's doing pretty good on CBS with about average of maybe five point three five point six million viewers, right? Which is you know in this day and age is very good, but it's not talked about a lot. But it is a but it is a good show. Nice, huh? Oh, it just premiered recently. Yep, yep, it, yep, yep, it just came out. Oh, okay. Nice. Sick. Yep. Yeah, on, on top of that, um, <clears throat> uh, Amy Hill, who I just interviewed, uh, she's on Magnum PI. And I don't know, I know people, I've heard, and I say Amy Hill, people are like, oh, Magnum PI, she's on that right now. I'm like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So I know that's, that's something to watch as well. But Yes. That's very good. Yeah. On the same areas. Um, I had Palm McLaw. Did you ever see that movie, Sandra O's like first movie? Double, Which was that one? Double Happiness. <laughs> yeah, we just we just talked about that real quick. I haven't seen it, but I know you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, I, okay. there. I used to I used to own the DVD of it. <laughs> <laughs> you got a VHS tape for that too? <laughs> yeah, yes, if I did. Yeah, that was a. I thought that was a uh, that was a, that was it was interesting to go look at the movie and say, "Oh, that's Sandra. Oh, this is her first <laughs> movie. I look at this." <laughs> yeah, 
I'm going to put another one um, on on my link here. I don't, I'm definitely going to fuck up the title. Um, but it's called, I think it's called Toy Dai Green Age. Um, and it's, it's a Vietnamese film from 1974, right before the fall of Vietnam, the fall of Saigon. So this is something that you can watch on YouTube. And it's like, you know, it's super vintage of just like Vietnam and, things to watch it's not definitely not asian american but it's pretty cool oh it's called green age but toy dies a die um, may i go on a small rant um yeah you uh talked about earlier about maybe making this film about um you know a, a asian character trapped in a movie who can't you know have a love interest because the producer says no right so I was watching The Eternals, right, which I generally enjoyed, right? I mean, not only the Marvel movie, action, diverse cast, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I'm watching the movie, and so Demma Chan plays a character named Cersei, and she has not one, but two love interests throughout the movie. In fact, she's the lover of both Rob Stark and Jon Snow, right? Um, and, 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 and physically in a relationship with both guys throughout her existence, right? In fact, they have the first actual Marvel love scene in that movie between her and um, uh, Benji Metten, right? And yet there's, they imply a relationship between um, <clears throat> Gil, Gilgamesh's character, the, the, the big Korean dude, and... Um, and uh, let's see, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, famous actress. Well, do they imply a relationship with those two characters? And yet we don't actually see them in a relationship. There's, there's words that describe love, th- describe the fact that they've been together for 500 years of, her, of him taking care of her and making sure that she doesn't, you know, devolve into madness angelina jolie okay so apparently for 500 years angelina jolie's character and and the, the big korean dude's character are are living by themselves in the middle of nowhere presumably in a relationship and yet we don't see them actually hold hand kiss make love or anything right so demma chan permitted to you know hook up with both stark brothers but this you know the the korean guy cannot actually make love to angelina jolie in the movies I, I haven't seen it yet, so I, I can't get the thing. Sorry, but, d- damn it, spoilers. Hmm. <laughs> no, that, that's okay. I I, didn't, I, I caught it, but it, that I don't think that ruins it for me. So I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, no, but it's interesting to think about. Like, yeah, why would they? Why would they do that? Again, probably going back to to Chloe Zhao. It's like, okay, with I don't know. <laughs> I, I have to I have to think about. I have to watch it first, but we'll we'll see what what's going on there. Yep, yep. Yeah, well, we're coming up on the hour. I uh, definitely want to thank everybody for jumping in and sharing some stuff. We I'll keep I'll keep it open for a good while. If anyone wants to recommend anything um, further, I have definitely have a huge list to add. But I'm I'm really curious in seeing what other people have, have found over the over the years because it's just decades and decades of stuff that we we can watch, should watch, and just even just for understanding where what has already happened because I, I i talk about this constantly is that i've watched so many asian american films and um recordings of theater uh, theater productions that i'm past the idea of representation on screen 
because I've seen so many Asians. But when I see the, the movies and films of the past, is that they're Asian Americans in roles by written by Asian Americans. And even today, we're not really seeing that all the time. And I actually really love and enjoy the movies of the past than what I'm seeing now. Um, and I think there's a lot of similarities and you can see like what's what really sticks and what kind of comes around to it. But, you know, the, the uh, so now I'm really focusing on when I'm doing strong Asian lead and, and trying to make some moves is really championing like the writers. So if, we were, if the writers aren't writing anything, they're not giving the chances of the tools to uh, make their careers move and they're not, they're being staffed on white people's shows. How, that's not helping Asian American stories. That's just helping other white people or getting Asian stories only coming and, and moving them through Asia. Shang-Chi, they go back to China, farewell to China, uh, crazy rich Asians, they go back to uh, Malaysia, Singapore, you know, they're always going back. And I'm like, okay, stop doing that. <laughs> so I'm really, you know, when I watch all these stuff, I'm like, I don't see this happening anymore. I see it from the independent, I always see it from the independence, always independent nowadays but it's always shorts it's never gets never gets really picked up um and never gets the the big mainstream even we talked about earlier it was paper tigers um which was really good but you know it, it was like popular for a week and then we don't really hear about it anymore so um i don't know what to I'm, i want to make things more popular and bring them back um you know we're, we're planning some things in the in 2022 to hopefully do a little bit more of that um, but I think that's just, um, I don't know. That's, that's kind of why I built this room. We'll do more rooms in the future. It might not be this topic or anything, but, um, if you follow our, our, our upcoming newsletter in the year, we'll be sharing these films and saying, Hey, go watch this film. You want something to watch, go watch this. Stop watching big mouth, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so we just want to build, build some more knowledge in Asian American cinema history because we're not taught it. No one's taught it. We don't have any schools for it. And we have to learn it ourselves. So learning who our actors, the famous actors are and uh, who, who we're bringing up. And even for myself, as a Japanese American, I really find a lot of Japanese American actors. Uh, there's a lot of them, especially since they've been in the you know, United States since the late 1800s. Um, and so you start to see other people as they come in later. But you know, I'm still curious when I find someone who's not Japanese American, like, oh, what did you do? Where'd you come from? And how many films have you made? I think that's, it's just fascinating to see, you know, somebody from the 1940s make a film like, oh, sweet. All right. We need to see more of that. So yeah. Anybody have any, any more um, films or actors that we should uh, think about, look at and um, even contemporary or non-contemporary? I'm always curious to see who's out there. Um, I guess like a shout out to upcoming Filipino American. Yeah, film. do it. Um, the fabulous Filipino brothers. Oh yes. Oh man, I saw that. It's so great. <laughs> you want you want to talk uh, about it for a second? That you know. Yeah, it is the directorial debut of Dante Bosco. You know who everyone knows from Hook and Avatar: Last Airbender, um, and he stars in it along with all his siblings. I say his siblings because his sister is in as well, and I think they have like all their like their their mom, their dad, their aunts and uncles are in there as well. And it's a series of vignettes of the different individual brother and their weird journey they go on until they all come together for a wedding in the family. 
Um, it's just so wild, so crazy. It's really fun all around. Um, I definitely recommend it. It got picked up for distribution, and that will be premiering on February or somewhere in February 2022. So definitely keep an eye out for it. Oh, it's so fun. I saw it at the Asian American Pacific Islander Film Festival this past year and just dying laughing. So silly. Such a dude movie, but like we need those. We need those Adam yeah. Sandler's stupid, fun comedies. And so uh, highly recommend as well. Uh, you know which distribution channel they'll be on? Not the top of my head. I'm going to look it up. Cool. Yeah. I, they, when I said, I think they, they were still looking for distribution. So that's a good update. Um, yeah, I think they, and they, I think they might have a couple more film festivals. That was two months ago. So I know they had to the San Diego and something else, but, oh, so fun. And, and jumping off Dante Bosco, like that was really good, but there's also, um, hang loose. Uh, I think you can watch that on Amazon. That was pretty fun too. That's like a hangover, <laughs> hangover style movie, which I thought was great. And, uh, Justin Chan's in that one as well. Um, and then I saw him in something else. I can't, oh, he's he's also in the debut, which I haven't seen yet, but I want to watch. That was the first that major. No, I haven't. I got to find that somewhere. Definitely watch. Okay, so it got picked up by 10, 1091 Pictures for digital rights with plans for release across platforms on February 8th, 2022. And this is according to Deadline. Okay, great. Yeah, and I, I, I love the an, an end credit song, which was like the, the Fab Filipinos, and I'm waiting for that soundtrack to drop because that's a really dope song too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anything, anything else that was really good? I saw the, the Princess... Yakuza Princess, a couple months back in theaters. Um, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. You know, it was just violence. <laughs> violence and, and, and mystery kind of stuff. But that was, was something to watch. Um, anything else? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of theater that I want to keep exploring more. Because as I, I dig into it, you know, East West Players have been doing it for so long. But there's also the... Um, uh, Asian, it was Asian Pacific Playhouse. There's one of them in San Francisco, and there was the Slanted Theater in New York. Um, uh, just people like there's just you find you start to find out other places who've done great you know works for years, and then just doing it, you know, doesn't get the publicity, so it doesn't get filmed sometimes. Thankfully, um, there are recordings of oh Warren left. Um, there are recordings of um, some productions like that I've seen uh, 121A, Gold Watch, um, Pacific Overtures. Pacific Overtures is specifically uh, very big. I'm starting to find out more and more people are a part of it, including my uncle. And you just, I heard someone else today, like his cousin was a part of that play. It was like, a, you can watch it on YouTube. Um, put it on. It's, it's very long. I don't know if I'm, you know, Pacific overtures and um but that was a whole a whole thing it's tv oh it says tv movie 1976 but i know i think they just put it in a play um 
but those are i think as i kind of researched too is like theatrical the theater asian american theater has been around for a long time and um it really that's where it all really started as if Uh, it's not on my list. I got to find it somewhere else. But that's um, I'll find it somewhere. But yeah, that's uh, another. Those themes, those seem to be really great because I feel like Asian Americans became the playwrights writing their stories, and then they introduced Asian American actors, which then they you know honed their craft of acting and storytelling and doing it on stage, and then they kept going and going. So you even see people like, you know, Getty Watanabe or Mako or, um, you know, these people who just really just really took care of the craft and took care of the community, too. Because they did, they did those um, playhouses. You gotta find one of them, right? I have a whole flash drive of, of these movies. I just plug into my, my Roku and just watch them. You know what's interesting, and it's something that's been on my mind, is that, look, uh, Americans, particularly millennials and Gen Z, have been very receptive to, you know, foreign content, particularly from Asia, particularly, obviously, I think the K-drama audience in America is now around 20, 23 million people, right, who watch them regularly, and they're also receptive to a lot of the films coming out of Asia. So I'm often wondering why that has translated into the big light that says, hey, you know, you could do that with people that are Asian American, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, because if, you know, if people are watching like, you know, like Vincencio, you know, the, uh, you know, and, or Squid Games, or uh, I don't know if you guys watched that, that uh, new one, My Name. Heard about that one. Yeah. yeah, those kind of things. You're like, well, you could just make something like that here in America, I'm sure there I'm sure there are Asian American writers out there, producers who'd like to do something like that here, and you're just not giving them yet, or they're just not getting that kind of opportunity yet to be able to create the, you know, the regular old drama or comedy, you know, from, you know, an, an American an, an American perspective, not not very good imported stuff from other from other countries in Asia, or not just that. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree because I feel like why they keep importing from somewhere else, you know, I think it's just that that foreignness, but I don't, it's like, because the South Korean, I know, Squid Games is great. I watched Hellbound and that was okay. It was all right. But they have so much, they put so much money into it. You know, they have all the production design and stories and these and development costs, but they don't, they don't do it here. And I don't understand why they think that's that's okay even like you know for i think for a part of uh, america and i think the one of the reasons why like things like squid game is doing really well and some of the tv shows on netflix from south korea is because they have english dub now as much as you know that's a, it's a controversy in itself to like you know i should watch it with the subtitles and whatever you know sometimes when i'm cooking or i'm just high as hell and i can't like want to read my films um or I'm, or I'm multitasking. It's like, I just kind of want to hear it. Um, you know, it just, it hits, it's that way. And I know it's, just, I mean, it's a shameful Asian thing to do, but at the same time, there's a, 
there's a demographic in America that just won't watch subtitles. They just won't. I have, I had, I used to have friends who just like, nope, won't watch it. I'm like, okay, you're missing out. But yeah, your mom's like that. Yeah. You know, there's just people like that. So, but when they, when they dub it, you just capture that audience. Like, and like money heist was like that too. It was like Spanish or French, uh, original language, but they dubbed it. And that's one of the reasons why it made like number one for like weeks. And so when you, for me, it's, it, when I think about it, it's like language justice, you know, you're, you're making it accessible. And even on top of that, like if you're blind, you can't read. <laughs> so having in that language that you, you can listen to is, is valuable. And so I don't on what I'm getting at is like, why don't, I don't understand why Asian American films aren't just as popular. They don't get development funds. Is it, you know, Squid Games isn't about Korea. <laughs> so why doesn't have it? So to David, your point, it's just, you know, why aren't we given this, these opportunities? And I don't know if it's, I don't know what the system, I would love to know what South Korea is doing and how they're, how they're continually pushing out, you know, great films, all their K dramas, but you know, what does Hollywood, why is Hollywood skipping over this whole community in our, in my research, we have th over 33 Asian American film festivals in the United States and the Pacific islands. Why, wow. how is that not like a big niche <laughs> that you could capture? Right. I would go to every one of those Asian film festivals if I could, but like I definitely, I once talked to someone at HBO and she was a, head of development or something at HBO, which is a round table. And I asked her, like, do you ever go to like things like Asian American film festivals to go find out new content? She's like, no, it's too niche. <laughs> and I'm glad she's not there anymore, but like, you're just not going to go. Cause you don't think it's too, it's too niche. Like that was, that was way before crazy for Asians. It was like maybe a year before that. And so mm -hmm. they don't, but just goes to show like they're not going to these film festivals. They're only going to go to the Sundance, the Austin, the South by Southwest. It's like, go to the other film festivals. You're going to find great things and maybe either develop something, find a new writer, find a new director, you know, stories, anything, even something to just uh, find for distribution. I, it just it just baffles me and so when you think about who's who's screening those films at those film festivals um they're probably not asian and probably not black either <laughs> probably not people of color <laughs> so like how are they you know how are we developing something new and that's that's all i want to add i mean <laughs> you're saying i always and it's kind of interesting that that there is this difference but i'm like you know, the black community, we've done the film festivals. We have, you know, when when they would only make like three black films a year in the 90s, right? That they, they had, <laughs> that's about the number, right? Three, three, three all black films in, in the 90s per year or something. And sometimes they might get up to seven. We had the billion, you know, the billion dollar industry was the straight to DVD, straight to video area. area and it was black folk leading the charge, you know, independently making it, whether it was like, $10,000 or $500,000 or $100,000, people were just making movie after movie after movie after movie, and people would go to the, what, the blockbusters and the rental places, and they would rent those movies because you know, people wanted to see content, right? They wanted to see all kinds of different stories, and so people just really made that, you know, made that the big thing, and people went to the film festivals, you know, and all those different things to see all the different types of uh, uh, films that could come out that could expand, you know, the the 
uh, how you could be seen, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, on this, on, on, on the screen. So, uh, you know, I would, you know, I would say it, it's interesting because like, that's something I would say we cherish, right? We cherish it. We don't want that to go away. We want that to still stick around. And at the same time, you can still try to make the jump, you know, uh, in, in, in other directions. So it is kind of interesting that there isn't that kind of impetus to say, you have to support the you know Asian American Film Festival. You have to support the you know the creators of the content uh, in the same way, or maybe just not a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, you know, I don't know what it is. You guys mentioned Wong. What was that? Did you guys mention Wong Fu Productions and some of the stuff they do? Oh, I love Wong Fu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they did a lot of stuff when I was, you know, kind of in college and stuff. Um, uh, you know, I think I think my my perspective is kind of skewed because yeah. when I was watch when I watched them in college, it was kind of it was that moment of um, they. It, I don't know if it was maybe at them, or maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but they were always making fun of Asians and it was comedy, and I didn't resonate that, and it really it fed into my. Um, internal racism internalized racism of like being asian and i being made fun of for being asian but i also recognize like that's not my family right because those that old asian mother is not my mother my mother's white (laughs) my dad is you know super whitewashed american you know fourth generation japanese american like these aren't my people this isn't me i'm like this is just feeding into some like broken accents i'm like this isn't me so i really like stood away from it and so there's definitely a uh there was definitely a need for it back then and they they were one of the another trailblazer for sure um but i mean like you know they're doing they're still kind of doing stuff now too right they are what were your perspectives on them why were you asking david or me lauren you can go oh okay um yeah, I've been watching Wang Fu since I was in college, and I really like their content. I know that, um, I guess, earlier in their existence, it was one of those things where they just happened to have predominantly Asian American casts, but they didn't emphasize too much on, you know, being the face and voice for Asian America, which, you know, that burden should not be placed on anyone, not any sole person or organization or company or anything. Um you know, but I think as time has gone on and the industry has started to pick up on the notion of uh, we do need to open up to more than just white people, then I think they're starting to embrace that more of, you know, telling stories featuring people from our community, from the Asian American community. So, yeah, I think they're definitely embracing that now more so. Um, but their content, I think, is still pretty top-notch to when I was originally exposed to them, they just wrapped production on a spiritual sequel series to their 2011 short film, uh, Shell, which is one of my favorites by them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, but yeah, eh, Wong Fu is kind of like comfort food to me. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Let's bring Pager up and see if he has anything to say. But um, yeah, David, what was your perspective on? Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it was because, you know, it was one of those things, what's eight years ago, I kind of just came across and discovered, right, you know, and it's discovered just 
uh, something there, and they were doing these. They were doing a lot of their little romantic shorts, and I was like, "Oh, well, this is interesting." They're doing romantic short films, you know, about you know Asian Americans falling in love. I said, "You don't know, you don't see that," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, 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 you know, so let me go ahead. Let me start watching it, watching these sort of things. So, I guess I hadn't come in at the time when they were doing what you were talking about, but that was in. Uh, I think they've developed pretty good into doing these sort of, you know. You know, mini web series like five, six, seven, eight, nine episodes kind of series that are that, that I think are done pretty good. In fact, one of my favorite ones was the, was the Yappy. You know, yes, yes, yes. You know that one? Yes, yes, that one. That one was interesting. I wanted to make a season two. I don't know why they didn't do a season two because it it ended on an interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it it ended with like almost like a cliffhanger. I'm like, you need to come back and do that. But yeah. I actually have seen them grow, you know, from, you know, you know, really, really, really grow in what they do. And, you know, I'm like, you know, they do it, they do it independently. They, they actually do all the editing and stuff on like, what do you call it? Like uh, Chromebooks, right? On everything. They talk about it. They do that. I think they've done a real good job of building this sort of independent, independent media. Right. And I think sometimes I can't think of the guy's name who's like the, the main kind of uh, uh, well, one of the main founders of it. I oh, know, yeah, 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 yeah. I know he sometimes is a little frustrated because he wants like you know big Hollywood to come in and say, hey, now can we do that? Not that that's a bad thing, but I think that he's, but I think that what he's pioneered and what he's doing, I think that that is he is good. It's good with what he's doing right now, right? And that that's like good. He should continue to just be independent continue to do things the way he is and continue to just grow and expand in that regard. Yeah, I think that's, even just for being trailblazers, I'm looking at their uh, sponsored content of like ramen and McDonald's. I'm like, cool, you know? You know, it's good for them to do what they're doing and, um, and constantly making, they've been making for years. So you can't really fault them for anything like that. So, you know, there's... You know, Trailblazers, I think that's really cool. And I, mean, I definitely watched Yappy recently, so I thought that was pretty cool. I think they lost, they didn't have enough funding to keep going. I think that was part of the problem. But yeah, I wish they, I would love to see them um, keep going. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge rom-com person, so I think maybe that's why I also got turned off. I'm like, yeah, okay. But yeah, I think it's cool. But anyways, Pedro, nice to have you here. How are you doing today? Oh, uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Uh, I just kind of saw the room in my hallway. It seemed like a small room. I haven't been on Clubhouse in, in months or like, I don't know, like eight months or something. And so I'm like rediscovering the app. A friend invited me into a room and the topic seemed cool. I mean, I, I actually don't watch much uh, Asian American or Pacific Islander uh, content. So it was like, well, maybe they're going to talk about something I should be watching. Um, and so I, I just stumbled in here. <laughs> so exactly. No, right on. Well, thanks for stumbling through and you know, I'm curious about listening. Yeah, we're we're mostly talking about um, we've got a couple of different things, but we the room the original room was kind of talking about you know movies, TVs, web series that aren't in the mainstream. So not Shang Chi, not um, you know even Kim's Convenience and all these things that we're kind of watching now, um, but things that are either that we don't we haven't heard about that are contemporary. We talked about Giri um, Giri. Haji Giri, um, Lumpia with the Vengeance is kind of coming up right now, uh, which was, I was just found out, Lauren told me that there was Lumpia, which was the original in 2005, four, which those are really cool because um, they're all old, independent, you know, 
fun. They're just making it by themselves. And so, um, yeah, you know, for me, Asian American cinema has been around for decades, but we don't know about them. Uh, my uncle has been an actor since like at least the 1960s, uh, Saab Shimono, and he's in, I find him everywhere. He's in all these little shorts and everyone, anytime I talk to any, uh, little bigger actors even like just older actors uh even some um young kids now they're like my, my uncle Saab I'm like Saab is your uncle I'm like yeah and they're like they all know Saab and um but you know there's so many other actors like him like Mako, Nova McCarthy, um Jack Sue you know we don't we only really know like George Takei because he's just popular but there's just so many people um that we never talk about Nancy Kwan uh, we hear about anime Wong, but we never hear about um, uh, Miyoku y- Yukimi. I think that's her name. I'm, I'm pretty bad saying things. Um, but yeah, all these actors and actresses who have who made uh, the Academy Awards for this and that. Um, someone recently just uh, passed away. Uh, she was the she won an Academy Award for set design something and it's just the first asian to do it and um it's presented by someone other famous white woman and so yeah that was kind of the original um room for this but yeah that we're we've gone over a few different things and you know things to watch now um now we had talked about and i'll add the one at the top um uh, the link was just something i added from earlier it's an original broadway cast from Pacific overtures which is you know it's pretty long, so I don't, you know, watch it at your own time. But, um, you know, my uncle was in this as well, Sam Shimono. He was in, he's in the white and red, uh, kind of like sea, sea shirt. But Mako's in here. Getty Watanabe, who famously played Long Duck Dong in 16 Candles, he's in there. Um, a lot of, a lot of old, older folks and famous Asian Americans. Um, one other, another thing that was recommended earlier was A Picture of You by um uh j uh, jp chan and so or even you can go to amazon prime right now and look at double happiness which was uh, uh sandra o's first first film and so yeah there's just so many things that we want not only asian america hasn't watched because they just haven't we haven't gone through our cinema history but sharing it with other communities of color just like these are all other films that we haven't watched too. And they're some of them are really good. And you might have seen this famous person, some other place, but this was their first film. Um, so yeah, these are kind of, you know, th- that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. Sweet. Actually, I was, I was Googling while you were, while you were talking uh, Pacific overtures. Uh, the only name that kind of stood out was uh, Mako. I have heard of him. I think he was a voice actor. Yeah. And also, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm currently reading Wikipedia. Sorry for interrupting, Lauren. Yeah, I was just going to say, David, I'm going to hop off. Um, but thanks for creating this space to talk about this interesting subject matter. Cool. Well, thanks for joining. You were the first one here, and thanks for joining this long. We're probably going to do a weekly a weekly clubhouse starting again. Um, I think this is really nice, and I felt really good about this. I don't know if we'll probably do Wednesdays. It might be Tuesdays, but yeah, we'll 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 keep coming back. But yeah, thanks for joining, Lauren. I'll, I'll see you around. Thanks, David. <laughs> thanks Later. Um, and Pedro, yeah, Mako Mako was a famous for contemporary people. It's like he was an actor, voice actor on Avatar: The Last Airbender. He was um, 
Was he Iroh? He might have been Iroh. Yeah. No, yeah, I think he was Iroh. Uh, the, the, the original Iroh. Yeah, the, uh, what's it, Zuko's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the original. I think he, Mako died in like 2005. And so, um, I think someone else replaced him. But I know um, uh, Phil Sung Hyun is, is going to play him in the live action one. So he's like, ah, I get to play you know, Mako now. <laughs> so, yeah. We're right on. Well, feel free to stick around. I don't know how long we're going to stay out. Maybe another 15, 30 minutes. But yeah, we're, we'll, we'll talk about some other things. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Greetings, David. Greetings, David. Hello to you, Pedro. <laughs> uh, today we're just talking about uh, films and TV shows, web series, um, theatrical things that uh, from the past, from the in contemporary times of fi- figuring out like what haven't we seen, what what's not in the headlines. You know, um, the one at Top Pacific Overtures was a theatrical production. Uh, in 76 and they've done it a couple different times uh, i'm looking up now east west players did a couple times i think in like the 80s but there's just so many movies and films that we haven't watched throughout history and asian americans have been in in productions for decades so where where are these movies how are we watching what's how are we learning about what what's already been made because if we're not um we don't learn what we've already been from. Like, how are we studying our history? And I'm all about history, but even cinema history is really just not looked at. So do you, Bill, have you, um, do you have any recommendations that maybe people haven't watched or heard about? Uh, specifically Asian American productions, David. I'm looking for Asian American productions. That's, that's most of the topic. Um, but if you have something that's on t- tip of your tongue, you're like, you just want to share out, I'm open to it. You know, <laughs> excuse me. You know, when you go back to the when my family came in the late '60s, David, and I'm thinking about you know being conscious in the '70s. There was none. I don't recall any in the '70s, and you know it wasn't really until maybe into the '80s things like Joy Luck Club. That that was the book, and we saw, um, you know, as far as Broadway, I think the first time I saw maybe an Asian American on Broadway was Miss Saigon. What was the actress's? I think she was Filipino, uh, who played the who played the name. She wasn't even Vietnamese in New York City, um, and so I, I just think of like what was the first time you really saw uh, people in our community on the big screen or on the stage, and. Um, yeah, I know there were more. You know, I just, you know, certainly just, uh, you know, my good friend David next to you, he's certainly the entertainment buff, so he probably knows a hell of a lot more about Asian American cinema than I do. So, David, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, no, I listened to a lot of things. Well, you know, something I wanted to mention real quickly uh, uh, is I did a count, and in total there have been, in the history of the United States of America, at least for TV, there have been 87 shows in which an Asian American person has either been the lead or at least a part of the principal cast. Right? 87 are, out of how many? 80, you know, that's like 80, 87 shows. Well, there are thousands of shows that have aired. <laughs> exactly. There's the air. But there are at least, but 87, I, I didn't think the number would be that high, right? You know, you know. Wow. <laughs> that an Asian American was the lead? 
either the lead or part of the principal cast, right? So, so either they were the lead of the show or they were part of the main cast, which means they were they may not have been the lead, but they were but they were definitely on the they were definitely you know in, always in the opening credits is one of the main. Right. Yeah, that's and kind see, of incredible. See, never, I knew I you would that. have information on this, David, of all people. So, you see, I was I was googling something completely different. I was looking for like the first time, if ever, an Asian American was portrayed as the president in a movie. Um, and like, I, I see that as a landmark for the Hispanic community. I mean, I would love to see a Hispanic president portrayed as, as the president of the United States, but it hasn't happened. And as far as I know, no Asian Americans ever been portrayed as the No, not even close. Not even, no, not even close, Pedro. So. Mm-hmm. No, but that would be really cool. Um, yeah, David, real quick, where, is there a list or is there a... Uh, uh, research of how what those eighty six films were. I'd never heard that number, so I'm really curious now. Of what you, you, mean, you, you mean TV shows? The TV shows? Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'm not I'm not at my computer because I'm out, but 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 I'll send it to you later. I'll, I'll send yeah. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you cause we cause we did the research to find out like you know you know what were all these different things, and I was like, oh, this is by eighty seven. That's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and you know I'll put one up there too. Um, all, if anyone's seen All American Girl, which was the first Asian American uh, sitcom uh, that came hmm. out in 1994, uh, you can actually watch the whole series on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> somebody, somebody put it up, and it's uh, I'll, I'll find it and I'll, I'll put it up there. Um, but it was in Margaret Margaret Cho, Clyde Kusatsu, Jody oh. Jody Long, um, B D Wong. And, oh, and, BD Wong, sure. Yeah, all these people were in there, and it was it went for nineteen episodes. Eighteen episodes were really and Amy Hill, sorry, she's also in there too. Um, eighteen were good, or I'd probably say like fifteen were good. <laughs> the other three were fine, and the last episode was totally off base. They listened to the producers to change it because it was like it was the same time like Friends was coming out, and they tried to change it with like two white guys, <laughs> and it right. just. You got canceled. How many seasons? One season? Half a season, David? One season. One season. One, uh, I, it was one, technically one season, but it's really like – it was one season in like one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I will I will put it up. Right, where's my list? All um, American it was called, huh? All American Girl. 90 – oh, I was not in the States in 94. Okay, 94. Okay. Here is – I will add the link because it's – you know what? If you just – there was so much um, controversy around it for a lot of different reasons. Mm. Um, mainly for uh, one, it was an, about a Korean family. It's basically like Kim's Convenience in 1980. Okay. Right? Okay. They own a bookstore um, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. but it's a Korean family, but only Margaret Cho is Korean. Right. BD Wong's <laughs> Chinese. Right. Exactly. What's Everybody the difference, else? David? They all look the same anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was kind of the problem. And then um, there was. Uh, the, 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 a lot of their, you know, they'd say Korean words, and they're just like, "That's awful. <laughs> That's awful." Right, they just butchered it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you kind of just get past that, that perspective of it, and the Asian American, mm. because back then there wasn't a lot of representation, so right, you know, people who weren't who were really looking for, it, like, this is awful. You can't show this, and so they kind of like the Asian American community didn't get behind it. But if you yeah. just like put that to the side, just watch it as a '90s like 90s cheesy sitcom it's funny 
It's, it's on YouTube, you said, huh? It's on YouTube. I put the link on the top. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm, on, I'm on YouTube right now. I'm gonna, just call All American, huh? No, 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 no. You can. I put it on on um on the Clubhouse link because it's kind of hard okay. to find. It's called okay. All American Girl, and okay. so yeah, All so American you, Girl. Okay. Yeah, and um, but you, you just it's like it's great. I think it's great. And then you actually on that thing, uh, I believe on. I don't know if it's on this one or if you keep Googling, there's like two short documentaries um, that they had done like an interview with Margaret Cho and Amy Hill about the show and like how it, how it wasn't well-received. And uh, I was talking to Amy Hill for an interview this past uh, couple weeks. And she had said, um, basically the producers started to take over the show uh, mm-hmm. and tell how to, how to change the show to make it better and more mainstream. And I guess Margaret's just like went along with it. And yeah. like, okay, we'll we'll listen to the producers they're paying for, and and that's pretty much why it kind of failed because it yeah. went off the end. But a lot of the show, a lot of this stuff was kind of a little bit ba- loose, obviously loosely based off her life or some mm. things. I guess her parents did own a, a book. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> a bookstore, uh, an a, a sex, um, uh, erotic, an erotic adult, adult bookstore. No, a oh, bookstore. Oh, a bookstore. A smut shop, David. Yeah. 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 Sure. Uh, any, uh, any peep shows in there? So, yeah, so. A slight correction, David. Uh, All American Girl was the second Asian American uh, sitcom to ever be on TV. What's the first one? Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. T and Tina. It starred Mr. Uh, T and Marita. Yeah, Pat Marita. Yeah, Pat Marita. Oh, it was my the first. God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He started. He was a he was a star of two television shows. They didn't make it, but 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 they gave him. But he got two opportunities to be to to, to be a lead of TV shows. Yeah, well, I mean, it, as a lead for sure. But I, yeah. you know, and they only aired out of the six episodes they shot. They only aired four, and I can't yeah. find them. It pisses me off. I want to find it. Pat Morita, you know, if you yeah. remember the TV series Happy Days. Yes. Yep. He was the there. There was two owners of that diner. And I don't know which came. There was a there was an Italian guy. Maybe he died, and then Pat Morita came in as the uh, owner of the diner that uh, that they always filmed so many scenes in. So, well, here's the other one. You know, growing up in the '70s, David. Uh, uh, speaking of David's, uh, David Carradine in the role <laughs> of Kung Fu, and, and I remember watching this. Oh, oh, I was teased mercifully when when that came on because you know back in the '70s we had three television stations, ABC, NBC, and CBS, right? Uh, and that's all we had back in the 70s, and that was on prime time. And, you know, we would watch that, and we, I, I remember watching I would just cringe. I was like, what the fuck is all this about? This lost, this half-breed lost Chinaman in the Western desert. It was like, like what the fuck is this all about? But, um, you know, we knew the story then later on that, you know, this was supposed to be for Bruce Lee, but uh, he looked too Chinese for the part for American audiences, as we know. So it's, um, yeah, I, I really never liked that. And then they re- recreated Kung Fu. I think it's on cable somewhere. And they used a Asian-American woman for that role. Did you see the remake of Kung Fu? I think it launched last year. I did on the CW. I thought it's, it's definitely it still on. I think it's still on. I don't know if they're, I think they just renewed the season. I know you can so go I thought it was watch. Interesting. They used an, I don't know if she's Chinese, Japanese, Korean, doesn't matter that they used a woman instead of a man. And uh, so here's the question to you, David, what do you think the ratio is of 
Asian American women versus Asian American men. I'm assuming that's David. That's hmm? David on. David on. You want to answer that? Well, I Well, way, Dave, what do you think? I, I think it's, it's so much more Asian American women than men. Yeah, as lead roles and well, as any roles, you would you, you yeah. would see yeah, much more Asian American women than men. Uh, what is it? Uh? My brother David's got all this information. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, David. You know Henry Ong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, so I, I used to I used to communicate quite a bit with Henry. So he's at uh, Universal now, right? Yeah. And uh, and I remember, you know, months ago we were just texting back and forth about various crap. And uh, yeah, and the kung fu came out. And I said, yeah, how come they didn't use an Asian American male, and they used an Asian American female? And he just came back and said, Bill. Face the facts. It's just much more commercial if it's a female, if it's Asian American uh, female than an Asian American male. I said, mm, that's uh, you know, he was looking from a business standpoint. Uh, it's just the hold card fact. So, which I think is sad. David, did you want to add? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, were you talking about film or TV? Either one, David. Either one. Yeah. So I would say. Yeah, for uh, for television. Uh, yeah, 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 yes, yes. Okay, sorry, I'm just trying to order something. All right. Okay. Yeah, 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 I got, I got, I got it. So for television, um, you know, so for so so for television, uh, I would say there's been more men. Uh, for film, for film, there's been more women. Right? Mm. Okay. okay. So. Yeah, for television, more men. Um, for film, there's been there's been more women. So in that regard, okay. uh, and it's mainly for a lot of the the film stuff. A lot of it has been kind of like, you know, paired with a white person. Right? Yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Why do you think? Or why do you see that Asian American men on television more? I'm I'm trying to think of uh, a few things, and I do see Asian American men like thinking like Warrior and um, I can't even think of it. It's, you know, I see a lot of Asian Asian film and television as men. You see like Parasite and Squid sure, Games and Hellbound, all these stuff like that, but they're like still foreign. So in Asian America, are you seeing more Asian men? Yeah, just based on history. Just just going back just going back historically, right? Because for the most part, the roles that they were having, right, whether they were supporting or leads for the most part, they were always you know, they were always boxed into the stereotype, you know what I mean? You know, like either you know the the accent kind of character, the you know the the overly nerdy kind of guy, right? In that regard, uh, and that was and that was for the most part a large part of the roles that they were playing, or something yeah. something martial arts driven. So if they were fitting yeah. into those three categories, that's how they that's how they were getting themselves on television. Yeah, very mm-hmm. very stereotyped in a negative way, quite frankly. You know what's my daughter, who's in, uh, she's in, she's what the third year in college. You know, two years ago, David, she said to me, she goes, Dad, did you notice that on these TV commercials, 
if it's a couple, it's so many more, you know, it, it, it's a white man and an Asian woman. And, and she goes, you know, what is the ratio of a white guy and an Asian woman versus vice versa in the United States? And I said, I don't know, but, you know, I think anecdotally, it's certainly a hell of a lot more of the former than the latter. But she had noticed this in TV commercials and she started to put a list every time she saw an Asian, an Asian woman with a white dude in a TV commercial. And she made a list over several months and it was brands like Toyota, Campbell's Soup, uh, some insurance company, a bank. And she actually kept a list and uh, I'm about to dig it up somewhere. And, and, she, and she would reference, you know, what, what kind of, she actually kept a lock of this. That was kind of interesting that she was so into that. But um, yeah, and I, I think that th those things, yeah, sorry to go off topic, David, but I think that th those roles need to be reversed, quite frankly. Uh, Bill, your daughter's like completely right, because I have done the research on this. I mean, I don't have the numbers on me, but usually when there's an interracial marriage, Asian, Hispanic, uh, it's usually involving uh, a white male yeah. as opposed to a minority male. So yeah. your daughter. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, hey, it, living here in the United States, I, I know damn well that certainly it is significantly that ratio of of an Asian woman and a white guy just in, in real life. But, you know, just to see that reflected in TV commercials or in, in media, it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you know, David, you know, we, we, we know that we as Asian men have not been portrayed kindly in, 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 the, in the arts. And I think that's, I know that's what you're trying to, reverse and uh as an actor and that that's not easy to do is it no not at all and but yeah i think that's you know def definitely on topic i think that's someone we were talking about um if anyone's heard of mana which is the media action network for asian americans and they've been around since early 2000s uh, late 1990s <laughs> and um they really pushed for that kind of stuff and they we were just mm. talking about that that that's what they were still seeing is that they're, they're starting to see more Asian men with white women, but not, not as often. And sometimes yeah. even then you see Asian men, but they're like for a split second, like they're on the side of the screen or something like right. that. Not right. very, very far. So well, 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 here's the thing, David, you know, when we talk about representation, you know, so I hear that a lot in our community. Oh, we're not represented here. We're not represented there. I said, okay, let's look at the numbers. And if you look at, okay, just AAPI, okay, that's 48 uh, different countries, right? So, okay, we're, we're six, 7% of the U.S. population. So, okay, extrapolate that. Is, are people from AAPI community here in the United States in six or 7% of all the roles? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I know in government, uh, the, the data is pretty clear that AAPI is only 1% of all elected uh, government seats, whether it's local city council through to Congress is only 1%. And so if you say, well, we're underrepresented in entertainment, well, what is that number? If we're 7% of the U.S. population, are we less than that in the world of entertainment? I, I, I probably, you know, just anecdotally, I would say yes, but I don't have any data behind that. So in other words, should we be, why would we be 20%, right? Then that would right. be over-representation, right? So. Yeah, so actually you're on the spot. The data actually says we're about 2.3, <laughs> maybe. In, maybe in, what, in what, David, in entertainment? In, in entertainment, so in, whether, it's, yeah. whether it's on screen or behind the camera, we're less than mm -hmm. 4%. Yeah. 
And so that it just becomes like, well, we're not getting those roles. We're not being seen. And like, you know, could it be more? Yeah, sure. We want more. I would want to go see more. There's a lot of huge demographic who would want to see more. In yeah. as the data represents, as far as the, I've last checked, Asian Americans are the number one viewing audience in America, and number one um, viewing audience as uh, streaming streaming service subscribers and mm. number one streaming uh, service device holders. No and kidding. so if we're the number, you know, and we have like, what, it was like $3 trillion, $6 trillion, we're like one of the top uh, buying power. So yeah. why is it that, you know, we're still not one at the bottom, but why are we still so under, underrepresented in yeah. the media? And because even if, even if other people don't watch what we're, what our, our community, we would watch it. There would be yeah. so much more representation there, but even even as it is now, we still have so many non Asian, mainly white men, who are still writing for Asian shows or show running them. Even Warrior, which is good as it is, still show run by a white dude. When and yeah. his story, you know, Jonathan Troper, um, the first thing I heard one of the interviews, like he wrote the first draft and he had to go take it to um, Justin Lin, and it literally did not say the word chink. He was like, no, 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 we can't, we can't say chink. I don't want to say chink. Like, you have to say chink. It's, 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 it's the 1870s in San Francisco Chinatown. That's right. what the white people would call them. Right. And so, so even just from my perspective, like, if you're going to get a white dude to write our shows, they're not going to say certain things because they don't want to make them look bad. So we can't have that happening. We have to have more Asians saying this is the, what the truth was. Because otherwise right. you, get a, you get a white perspective of our community. And that's just not how it should be. Any perspective from any community, it's not how it should be. Those yeah. people should be writing. Again, going back to Shang-Chi, that was not, should not have been written like that. Because that's just th- three other white men writing for Asian shows. I, I did like it. That. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I think a lot of, I, I, Shang-Chi, I didn't really careful I, I poked a lot of holes in that movie but we can discuss that another time but you know when when asians are visible came out i, I took the whole family all of us went so, and so my, my wife and my two college kids and we went and uh, here in boston and and i think it was the first time that all four of us had gone to see an asian american movie and you know when you walk into the theater i was just a bit conscious of like people staring at me you know, because, you know, unlike the West Coast, you got more Asians here in Boston. We're not very well represented here in Boston. And I, it was great. I mean, the movie theater was packed. And I was just looking around to see who was in the movie theater. And it, it was, we were like maybe a, a, a vast majority were Caucasians, some Blacks. And, and I thought that was great. You know, there's, there's so many people. I thought it would be a movie theater full of like four other Asian families and us. Uh, but I think it, I think that was kind of cool. That that, that it, it, I think it did have uh, 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 have have some attention, and, and the theater was pretty much full. So, oh yeah, hundred percent. There's there was a huge. I think in in at the end of the day, no matter even what my opinions are, whether it was it's successful in a lot of different ways, including just getting people into seats, buying tickets, but also yeah. multiple communities watching this, watching and saying it was really good. You know, yeah. here. You know, bad reviews or anything. You know, yeah. I mean, as far as yeah, yeah. I mean, you get you get some criticism, criticism, and from the age community mostly, and that's where it should be coming from. But we're not getting the same reviews as the Eternals are getting right now, so it's kind of weird in that sense. So you know, I think it did well in those those ways, but you know, I just what, what, what I, I I sort of you know I I think 
Yeah, I, not, not that it was going to be a documentary from PBS or something like that, or, but, uh, but I just, yeah, I, I wish they had just done a little bit more of a, just a few minutes more about Singapore itself. Um, because afterwards, oh, you know, where, where in China is Singapore? I'm like, it's not. You know, and, and so you people just sort of, sort of, well, where is Singapore? Well, it's in Southeast Asia. Well, what it's, but it's, it's all Chinese people. What, what, you know, so it's, I say, oh, well, this is what happened. And you sort of have to explain this whole immigration diaspora type of thing. So, but, um, yeah, but other, yeah, it was okay. Right. And I think even from me, I didn't understand that. I still thought they went to China. I didn't know they I didn't understand. Okay, it. David, there you go. So. Right? See, it's like, I wish they would explain that a little more. It would have made me understand. Like, I'm still learning about Taiwan. It's mm. still, mm. like, that's no. the little bit of level of in-depthness and education, like, <gasps> that we need yeah. to have in each in each film. Yeah. Just because we don't know so much, even Asians yeah. don't know about each other, yeah. we just have that little bit of extra education you know, there's a difference. Even you, you, mean, know, you mean we're not a monolith, David? I thought uh, we're all a monolith of AAPI. We all speak the same language and all that type of stuff. So blows yeah. my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even even someone had to had to call me out on. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, Japanese. I was talking about their the karate, the Cobra Kai. Oh. Oh, right? Right, right. And so, like, they didn't have any. One, the only Asian dude in that whole film, one, he was Korean. Joe So was cool. Um, but he was the bad guy. He was a jerk. He was. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any Asians in there for a series called Karate Kid. Yeah. Um, basing off that, they didn't have any Asians as the leads. And he totally could have been. Now, I love Daniel Russo and uh, Johnny. Like, those people should have stayed as the leads, sure. But the kid could have been Asian. Because my my karate teachers were white, <laughs> yeah, and that would have been made a lot of sense, and I'd have been cool with that. But they didn't. But even when I was talking about it too, um, like they're erasing of Japanese culture. But actually, yeah. someone point out that karate is Okinawan, and Pat Morita, yeah. and, you know, um, Mr. Miyagi was from Okinawa, yeah. which oh, isn't right. which, yeah, because in episode, you know, this Karate Kid too, they go back to Okinawa. Right, and ah. that's not Japan. Japan occupied Okinawa. They took yes, over land. So it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of like saying like Taiwan. So it's like we think it's Japan. It's not right. necessarily. And so mm. you know, as we start to break things down, we're still even we're still learning about each other. Even I'm still For learning sure. about my So, but film, television, and why I think film, television, entertainment are so important is that it does speak to a level of edutainment. We're learning while being yes. entertained and we're going to come back because we're being entertained and learn more. Yeah. So, but if we're not putting the education within that, just even just a little bit, just a little bit, exactly. Just a little bit. would have been bit. Good culture, hey, history, anything. Exactly. Hey David, uh, 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 Daniel day Kim, he's in a new series. Yeah. Uh, hot Something. zone. What is it called? Things like hot zone or okay. some virus. Uh, and, movie. and, Right. Uh, yes. And um, I, I saw something about that and uh, the hot zone about anthrax from National Geographic, apparently. Yeah. And what's the name of his character? I'm looking it up. So it, does, it is called the hot zone. Yep. And it's got some in Cantonese we call white people guaylos. He's, he's got a guaylo name. So. Oh, there it is. F- Daniel Day Kim stars as FBI agent Matthew Riker, 
R Y K E R. <laughs> How do you feel about that? And when I read that, I was like, I had to read it twice. Like, what the fuck? How does Daniel Day Kim as FBI agent Matthew Riker, R-Y-K-E-R. And I was like, okay, what is he adopted by a white family? That's so I, I just don't know the story. But Maybe. Like, it's like, what the fuck is all that about? Well, you know, now I'm curious. Now I want, I, you know, I want to watch it too. But why is it- he- why has he got a white dude's name if he is he looks like you and me? Right? No, so that's it's shit like that that sort of pisses me off as well. And, and in some ways I agree. In some ways I think like, well, if they do put a whole uh, adopted Korean adoptee kind of storyline behind it, you know, that would be cool. And okay, think, and that's fine. Yeah. Right? Because I, I – yeah. My my friend, she's a mixed Japanese American and white and Jewish, and she's um her name is Alex Chester. It's like this, you would never right. know. <laughs> and right. she's exactly pretty, right. So and I know people who are huge last names, and that's another part. Like my friend, um, our my old co co founder Emmy, she did a whole thing for her office, and when she went to do it was an Asian American you know day. It was supposed to be like an event, and she was she picked up like two hundred boba to bring to the office and mm. she said that when she went through the list of all the um all the people are working at her at her office she looked at all the last names but those who had white last names didn't get put on that list and it, she overlooked that oh. and so we have and so people some people got a little mad and she was like ah you're right <laughs> and so right. If we think about it like there are some people like you know i'm I'm my last name's Japanese, still Japanese because my father's Japanese. But like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of women who are married white men, and those yeah. take their yes. last names. So they're still yeah. mixed Asian. How do we do? You know, how are we still kind of including? We can't like can't totally blindside that. So no. I'd love to see what they do with this. Now, if they don't add, you know, a whole little bit storyline of why his name is a little bit like that. Not that that is the storyline, but that but, it should be kind of a part of it but you know whether you're asian or anything wouldn't you wonder okay why is this asian guy got a right you know a an anglo name and so it's it's just like that's kind of curious you know it's like if you you know saw a black guy on the screen and he's got an asian name what's that black guy got asian <laughs> Uh, it's not the same thing, but uh, Charlie Sheen. I mean, he. I think he changed his name for work. I don't know why, but I mean, he was a, our first Hispanic president for the West Wings. So his family name is Estevez. Yeah. yeah. So, so as a lot of Hollywood people, they try to Anglo anglicize their name to be more main, quote unquote mainstream. So uh, yeah, so his, his family name is Estevez, and I hmm. think his family came, comes from Mexico, and obviously. Uh, uh, Latin, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, just to be more. Yeah, well, it's it's like it's like in fashion. Ralph Lauren, his family name is Lipschitz. It's a Russian Jewish founding, you know. So you know, there's Polo by Ralph Lipschitz. That doesn't sound very uh, mainstream, does it? So he changed yeah. it to be more Anglo, <laughs> Ralph Lauren. So uh, I think I think a lot of uh, mm-hmm. actors and actresses have changed their names just to make it more mainstream, quote unquote mainstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and John Stewart did the same thing. I think his last name was something longer than Stewart. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hey, a question for you, David. You don't need to answer this, but you know, you know, I I forget which actress or actor was Asian American said, you know, I'm not going to take roles that portray, you know, my community in a negative light. 
you know, I don't know much about your profession, David, but, you know, it, it's not easy to get roles, you know, and everybody starts off, you know, not, not everybody starts off in big budget Hollywood. Everybody pays their dues. I mean, you've got to be pretty well developed in your career to be able to turn down roles if you're an actor or an actress, right? Um, I, well, from, there's a lot of people who have said that before. So I know the most recent was um, Aquafina, Nora Lim. Uh, Nora Lim, yeah. Yeah, she Nora won't take Lim any roles well. that have accents, which I, I, I understand, but I also can mm, half, you know, I'm, I'm halfway there. Like Kim's Convenience, that's a fake accent. But I think yeah. it was just it was justified. I thought it was justified. Yeah. Some people don't like it; it's not a perfect accent. But at the same time, how are you not supposed to have a, a Korean immigrant character right. without an accent, right? right? I actually think, in that same sense, All American Girl was poorly portrayed because they didn't have enough of an accent. Mm. So, you know, whatever. Um, now, I'm I don't put, I I'm not an actor first. I'm starting to get into acting because yeah. okay. I just well just because I was. Well, I'm getting to modeling because I need money. <laughs> um, and people say I keep, should do it. So I'm trying to get an agent right now. Their contract was really sh- bullshit. So I, I was like, mm, send it back. Tell me some, change some things. Um, and all, and I was just on like the Jonas Brothers fucking prank thing. It was stupid, oh. but I got, I got paid for it. So that's oh, fine. Cool. But um, I think there is a level of, uh, there was definitely a time where, you're right. If you didn't take those roles, you're just not going to get them at all. And some people will change their names because of that for the, to help those things um, and to help them get roles. But nowadays, I think you're definitely definitely could take take down those roles. You can say no to them because there's definitely there's enough opportunities, right? That's yeah. the thing. There's definitely now there's more Asian American films that mm. and TV shows that could have those things. You have an, uh, another opportunity somewhere else. Um, but at the same time, do you need a job? Do you need mm. a place to go? Do you want to mm. get your foot wet? Yeah, um, exactly. I think the responsibility then becomes, okay, are you going to be given an accent? Can you do that accent properly? Mm. Are you going to give that character enough justice to do it? Now, most people, most who I've talked to generally can't. Like, I can't do the accent. It's not mm. good. <laughs> it's not right. like a bad right. accent. And right. so they don't even, they're like, if you take it, it's just, they, the white people don't understand. They don't hear it. So they're like, oh, okay. No. Yeah. But we become a, car, a, a, car, a caricature. Exactly. Yeah. And so they, so then they're like, oh, I just don't do it. But then they'll just, but then someone else, they'll just pick someone else to do it. Right. Cause yeah. they won't hear the difference. So do you have it now? But, I, but again, I think now we're in this place where I, I have a lot of Asian American friends who are doing um, audio books. They're like recording mm-hmm. audio books. And I think they're not necessarily always doing Asian American stories, but right. they're, when they do have them, that makes a big difference. And they they can find an accent that makes sense. And so yeah. me, will I ever take a role that um, is accented and stuff, especially for Japanese American or Japanese? No, mm. if there's a role that's Japanese, I don't have to speak. Yeah, mm. maybe, maybe. And I mm. want to say maybe it's because I'm mixed Asian and Japanese people look at me and they're definitely like, you're not Japanese. <laughs> like they can almost, they can almost tell. What so is your, my, what is, what is your, what is your lineage mixed, David? Uh, I'm mixed uh, Japanese, a uh, quarter German and a quarter like mixed European white. 
Um, we don't really know. I haven't done the 23 and me and stuff. There you but. go. You're, you're a mutt like my brother David next to you there. So, <laughs> yeah, there's this, it's a lot to it. So, yeah. David, and, on, remember when I called you a mutt? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I call my kids, David, I call my kids mutts. You know, my family's Chinese, my wife is Korean, so I got two mutt. Mutt kids, I call them. So, <laughs> Dad, I can't believe you called us a mutt. I'm not a dog, you know. I said, yeah, I know, but you're my right. kid. It's okay. So. <laughs> you're, you're, a, you're, you're a mixed breed, I call them. Yeah. So you take that. But, yeah, no, I, 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 me acting, I, I, I just put out a tweet that, today, like, if you need any background roles or one-liners, oh. like, let me do it. I just need a reel. I want to be your shitty martial arts kid or whatever. And, um, just because I need some footage just to keep getting more roles so I can actually get paid on doing something. Um, even just background. You, uh, SAG, a screen actors you have to become a part of the union, the SAG, SAG. I'm technically eligible because I did that Jonas Brothers thing. It's very weird. Like I did that one thing one time for five hours and then they called me back, like they paid me and then they called me back like a month later, like, so you're, you're SAG eligible now, but because they kind of screwed up your payment, we're going to give you all this new payment work, paperwork for being SAG, and we're going to pay you more. Mm. I was like, okay. I'm like, but I'm, I don't see myself being SAG eligible. Well, I am SAG eligible. I don't need to become union. Um, one, I'm not getting enough roles, so it doesn't make any sense for me to do it. Two, it's like $3,600 to be a part of the union. A year. Yeah. Oh, a year. wow. I'm like, that's wow, wow, like, wow. that's like my bank account, man. So wow. I'm not going to go for it. But they, you definitely, I can be. And the, I, don't, I just didn't understand the process of how you even become eligible because I did that one time. It's just mm. once you get on it, I didn't even say it, I didn't say it one line. It was literally a, a bicyclist on, on there. Okay. <laughs> and so, like, that was it. I just had to clap my hand and smile and look. You know, look around. It was a prank show. You just imagine being pranked. It was like it was a lame prank, but mm. um, you know, it was that's what it was. So, yeah, I think there. But to your to your question, I think there's um, nowadays. I think it's it's definitely people are more conscious about that, and studios yeah. are trying to be more conscious about what they're doing. But they're not. They're just pouring. Pull, they're like, well, okay, if you're not going to do foreign, then we're just going to go foreign. Yeah. <laughs> we're just not going to hire you. We'll just go, we'll go foreign people and we'll take it from there. And uh, so we don't need you Asian Americans. We'll just get the yeah. people from South Korea. <laughs> hey, other David question for you. Do you think that uh, Hollywood or entertainment has portrayed African Americans in a more positive, better light than previous, like in the seventies and eighties? Well, you went around in the seventies, but. David, he's eating a he's eating a Big Mac and French fries right now. <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's ordering food. One second. Well, no, no. I'll give I'll give you the answer. Uh, I I I think yes. I mean, because I've done a, I know the history, so yeah. yeah I know big you do. I know you. Yeah, yes, I do. I think I I I think that part of the improvement was basically us doing it ourselves, right? It, particularly yeah. in, in the in the 90s. And we just started coming out and creating and producing films uh, and, you know, producing, uh, uh, you know, uh, even started producing, you know, you know, TV series, right? So I think the improvement came because we just did it ourselves and took the bull by the horn 
and then told Hollywood what what we as I like to say what we ain't gonna do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that just kind of and that kind of helped to change change things. So it's like it's it's you can always tell when something is is produced in the hands of somebody who is black and some mm. something something that's produced in the hands of somebody that's white. You know, when it comes, you can always tell. You're always like, mm, there, there, you know, there's something off about this. There's something they don't get. So yeah, I think it, I think in film it has. Uh, it has dramatically, it has dramatically improved. I mean, I mean, I know uh, David would say he didn't like rom-coms, but we had to create a black rom-com genre, right? <laughs> because, we, because we wanted to see romance, right? We wanted to right. see people finding love, you know? Right. Uh, and, that, and, 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 that, and that took off, you know, in terms of being able to have, uh, you, know, you know, that kind of ability to see yourself in, in uh, romantic pairings and falling in love and having the, I guess, typical kind of, you know, hijinks, but, you know, with a sort of African-American right. twist to it. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, so, yeah, so I think everything's, everything's improved. But one thing I did want to mention uh, is, so, you know, um, Byron Allen's Entertainment Studios has a film, has a film division now. Yeah. And, they, and they're out there seeking to invest uh, uh, in films. And, and their strategy is to invest in films that, they think Hollywood would not invest in because they don't think because mm. because they don't think it'll be a big return. So, uh, and so far, most of the films that he has invested in are not you know black specific films, right? So, yeah. you know, uh, you know, but so he's looking for all kinds of things to invest in. So I'm like, the API filmmakers should be looking at entertainment studios and trying to find their, their film divisions and see if you how you can get into pitch to them. Yeah, you know, well, you know, I, I remember you know, way months ago when we were in I don't know, Asians are visible room you were, you were talking about you know what what the Asian American community needs is and as a media company uh, a la what Byron Allen is doing and uh, you know it's just like well in the world I think that was an interesting thought well, I want you gotta, to con- the- you gotta control the media you would say David yeah, hundred percent. I want to pass that question to Pedro. What do you think about um, Latinx and Hispanic community in the in the film and television industry? Is it doing well? Is it is it still struggling? Is it? How do you feel about it? Um, I'm kind of disappointed by it, actually. I mean, I I have seen the progress that the that the black community has made in in Hollywood as far as like uh, not so much that they they get a lot of lead roles in major Hollywood productions, but that they're represented, I think, a little bit better. I mean, before we had Barack Obama, we had Morgan Freeman. Um, a lead character in the MCU is uh, uh, Nick Fury. Um, the only Hispanic character we have in the MCU is uh, is the comic relief guy. Uh, I forgot what his name is, uh, but uh, from um, the bug one. What was, what was it called? Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Yeah, I know what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'd like to see more progress as far as, like, you know, not just being the spicy Latina love interest and the, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the gangster or the illegal immigrant. I, I, I think we haven't gotten as far as, as that. So I'm kind of disappointed by it. I mean, in the niche community, like you, you go to like Latin stories, independent movies. Yeah. We're better represented there because I mean, you know, we have people make telling these stories, but they don't get the budgets that the big, you know, productions get and the roles aren't as good. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as a quick follow-up, that was uh, Michael Pena, right? Yeah, Pena, Pena, but yeah, Michael Pena. Pena. Actually, he's, honestly, I I should know his name, because Michael Pena is basically like the only Hispanic actor in Hollywood. He takes up so many roles. (laughs) (laughs) So, So 
Yeah. And the way you got to do it, the way you have to do it is you have to kind of do it in the community first. You just have to build it up in community because, you know, that's, that's, that's how, that's how it happens. And then at some point, the rest of Hollywood will catch along. We'll catch we'll, we'll, we'll catch up on it, but but you just got to be in community. You got to keep producing. You got to keep making. You got to keep. You kind of you you got to keep coming up coming up with stuff. I always say that's how we did it. We didn't we didn't sit around and wait for Hollywood to to figure it out, right? You know you yeah. know we we did it. We figured it out and 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 you know eventually now they're you know because you always know white people in Hollywood they're like oh I you know they don't know half the stuff. They don't know half the stuff that already existed, so they'll be like, you know, like the guy um, from Friends who made that statement online where he was like, uh, and he was being nice. It wasn't being mean or racist or anything, but he was like, you know, um, you know, he, you know, he wanted to see like a new version of Friends, a reboot with like, you know, with some black people in it. Right. And I saw then, that. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then yeah. one of the actors, then one of the actresses from um, A Living Single said, "Our sh- your show was based off of our show, right? So we were the original mm-hmm. one, you know, you know, in that right. regard. So, so they they think, oh no, you're discovering something new, or we should do something new. No, it's like it's already existed, you know, it's already had an audience. But I always yeah. go back to tell people, do you know that Living Single made more money in terms of revenue and profit than Friends because Friends cost so much to make, and uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, particularly during its last few seasons. Uh, but right. they were they're, making. They're paying a million bucks each per per episode. Yeah, for for each for each actor, right? Yeah. But for nice. you know, but but for uh, living single, you know, they were they were getting low. The actors were getting low salaries, yeah. but the show was doing well in the ratings, and they were making a whole lot of money off the advertising. So if you if if you just compare, if you say, well, the budget was bigger for Friends, yeah, but they weren't really right. But they were just breaking even, right? You know, you know. But but with the with the uh, living single. They weren't breaking even. They were actually making a profit off of that show, right? And mm-hmm. and so uh, and so even though it wasn't promoted in the same way, right? It wasn't given the same kind of promotion. It it became for a time number one among African American audiences, right? In that regard, uh, and one of the top shows on Fox. You know, at, at the time that Fox was still trying to you know get itself you know uh, off the ground. We always used to say that you know broadcast television. What they do is that they'll put a black programming on until they get off the ground, and then they'll get rid of it, right? You know, and then they'll, yeah. you know, once, they, once they made their money and once they got to where they want to get them, they said, oh, we don't need you anymore. Right. But at least back in the day. But 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 yeah, it really just it really takes for the Asian-American community, for the Latinx community. It really is. You just got to keep producing. You got to keep creating things. You got to keep building. Because I say build, 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 build. That's the way that mm. that's 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 the way it goes. Build it, build it. And they will and they will come. They'll come right. late. But by the, by the time they come, they come late, you've got control of it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm on that. Got to build those tables ourselves. But even then, I think there's just a there's there's a there's a there's a mindset that we haven't really crossed over. It's kind of like this place of well, we can't make it. We can't we can't do much. Where are we like finding money? I have great friends who are great creators, and there's there's just so few um, people given enough funding and money to go do things. My friends are really talented. They're even making it into the Warner Brothers and the capeless and all these things they're like i need a job <laughs> i need a job i'm like we're struggling here i'm like me too we're all like we're, I'm, I'm i'm still on food stamps and uh unemployment's gone now i'm hoping that you know it mm. um, i'm hoping i get this next um a rent relief program from la i'm still hoping that comes through because I'm, I'm gonna be pretty screwed pretty soon and if this wow. we're going another lockdown i'm hoping you know sadly enough 
fucking sad is that i hope that they bring back the you know the heroes program for the unemployment because that would be helpful but that's that's the problem with the systems like as much as i'm doing this nonprofit and helping and trying to make this thing happen which we're and we're not we haven't gone public in a while so we're trying to go back revamp the website and all the stuff for 2022 in january um it's like um we're i'm kind of still kind of screwed so like even as a screenwriter, as a rep screenwriter, I'm soul screwed. I don't have a job. I don't have anything. So yeah. it's it's tough. I think this. I have so many friends who are like that. And even if yeah. they're creating and constantly creating, you know, it's just those people who are still having and still building. Like even Wong Fu. Hey, Wong Fu has been going around for a while, but like who else is really making money doing that? I, I, who are making like not like um, like I love your Korean dad. Uh, he's great. I love that he's getting millions of viewers on TikTok and brand big brands and people are connecting with him. But you know, that's not filmmaking. It, it's filmmaking, right. but it's not like the storytelling that we're. It's going to be the commercial thing. Is he ever going to make a, a feature film or a TV series? Exactly. I hope so, but that's yeah. I don't see that being his goal. So yeah. how are we building that place? How are these diversity programs working? The Asian American diversity programs are not working, and yeah. there's data to prove that. So how are we? You know, if, if other diversity programs are working, like Hillman Grad and um, uh, there's a few others, they're always really promoting other communities, but the Asian community is really not represented there. Um, is this because, probably, David, we are not going into entertainment as a career? I think that's a part of it, is that people don't go to school for it. They don't have the time to go to school for it, but there's also... Um, as as far as what I've researched and look at and just kind of piecing puzzles together is that there are so many people who are still coming from immigrant families, whether they're first or second generation, yeah. that they're, they're, they're either in still an immigrant mindset that they don't yep. have enough and have to find yep. a job. They have to get yep. the things to support their parents. And so they can't do filmmaking. Um, or be so an actor so- or an actress. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to, fuck. you know, we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, row a boat across the Pacific Ocean so you're going to go into acting in America, right? So yeah. Right. And, and and that, sir, is why I'm a lawyer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, good point. Well, I, I don't yeah. know if you guys... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, David. It, you know, I was going to say, I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if uh, Pedro knows this, but uh, the Aru brothers, right? Right? You know, uh, uh, who are the first uh, Latinx people to own their own film and television studio in America, right? right, right. Mm. Uh, you know, the Ozzy, Ozzy Aru, one of the two brothers, he got his, his first job was being the security guard uh, for the original Tyler Perry studio, like the original studio that he had before he had the new one. Wow. And then he, wor- he went from security guard to president of Tyler Perry Studios, right? And then... When Tyler Perry decided he was going to buy that new 330-acre land and do something else, he was selling that old, you know, five sound stage studio, right? And mm. he was looking for people to buy it. And then, and then the Ozzy, Ozzy Aru just had this grand idea. So why don't you sell it to me, right? I don't got no right. money, but I can get. I, I'll try to get some investors to do it. And what did he do? He sold it to him, right? You know. <laughs> And then he was able to have us, and then and now and, and now the two brothers together run their you know run their own studio, right? Studio facility. So I still go back to saying somebody's got to you know there are enough Asian Americans in Hollywood, even the ones who are making that they can set some money aside and they can go to Virginia or somewhere else and they can say we're gonna buy some land 
and they're going to build mm. some studio facilities. And then what they're going to do is, is, is they're going to be able to have the means of production, right? uh, you know, own the means of production so that yeah. people can, people in the, in the Asian American community can come in and start doing projects, filming projects, making things, and be the decision maker. Because it's, it's that decision maker position that's going to get you there, waiting for, waiting for Hollywood, you know, to, to, you know, figure out their whole diversity thing, right? Right. That's yeah, going to take no, another, no, it's going to take, no, take another decade. No, it's going to take decades. That. It's going to take, it's going to take decades for that. Uh, and you can still work on it, but still somebody has got to, somebody has got to be the one to say, I'm going to build something. I'm going to build it. And the only other thing I could think of, David, that you, when you were thinking about media, I was thinking about Jubilee, but Jubilee is not film. Jubilee, I mean, because they're very successful, but Jubilee is more like social experiments and stuff like that, but they're really, really, really big. Yeah, agreed. They're like Jubilee Media, which is, you know, great. And they can talk mm-hmm. to people and even talk to movie stars, but they're kind of like, kind of a news news source, yeah. sort of like, um, in one, one way. But uh, I want to welcome uh, Louisa to the stage. You know, thanks for joining the room and coming up. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Um, so we're just kind of, we've been chatting around because we've been here for a while, but originally the room was for... Um, you know, Asian American and Pacific Islander, like stories, movies, television, web series, and um, people who are, who have just not been given the dues. There's Asian, uh, you know, API, API stories have been around for decades now, and we just don't know about them. So when I posted a link at the top for about for Elena Gerardo, and I know you're a Filipina, and she was one of the first movie stars. Um, we don't know that name, right? We don't have that that. Um, film and cinema knowledge uh, to really talk about and keep there. And I want more people to learn about these people, these movies, these stories that have been around. Because as much as we talk about representation now, if we look at all of cinema history, Asian Americans have been around for a while. So what we're doing mostly, what we're doing at the beginning is, um, you know, sharing, recommending uh, TV movies and shows that we might know about, uh, ourselves individually, but we don't know in the mainstream. So, do you have any uh, recommendations that we should watch? I don't have any recommendations that come to mind at this moment, but I definitely will take all the recommendations that you all have. Well, super cool. Well, a couple of highlights from our, our conversation earlier is just the, the Filipino stories. Um, Olympia from 2004, I think we said it was. And because there's Olympia with the a vengeance is come as in the works right now, and they're they're doing the festival route, which is they just did Comic Con, and I'm excited for that one. But I didn't know there was a, a prequel for it, so yeah, it was super independent, and um, they made it themselves. So that was pretty fascinating. There's also uh, the debut was the first major Filipino. Yeah, American I saw story. that one. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> you haven't it. seen it? Oh yeah, I, know. I saw it. I'm awful. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then there was, um, you know, the the, the uh, um, Lauren had also recommended the Fal- fabulous Filipino brothers, uh, which is just got distribution that will come out in February, and I saw that in theaters, and that was really, you know, super broy, um, you know, Adam Sandler's style comedy, but uh, hilarious, hilarious. That sounds awesome. Oh my gosh, it was Dante Bosco and most his whole family, his siblings, his brothers, sisters, parents, and they were all there, and. Um, so they all look like they all look like him, and so it's cool to see that they're all really good actors. 
and that he made a film together. The whole story behind this story is really cool. And when they were at the film festival, the whole family was there, and it was just cool to see them uh, cool. work together. So, yeah, those are some other highlights to watch. What was that film called? The Fabulous Filipino Brothers. Fabulous Filipino Brothers. There's a Instagram channel. I need to find it. I'm going to scroll through it right now after I look up this other film you just mentioned. But um, they had a list of, what was it? Um, Pinoy animations and films that need to be watched. And some Ooh. of them were on Netflix. So I'll find it and then I'll. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. And I will. I can even pin it. I'll pin the Fabulous Filipino Brothers uh, IMDb so you can see the trailers and stuff. But yeah, those, see, for me, it's like, I there's because there's so many different Asian communities and, and people making things. I'm always who's making what and what are we watching so we can, you know. I think as, as we always say, like you know, food is one one window into another one's culture. But so is film and television series, especially if they're being made by those those communities, because then we're able to see, you know, what what it'll be like the like, and we can have a better rep, um, understanding of that representation. And it's not a whitewashed version of it. And so, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's just another, another window into those things. But, um, and once you post that up, please find that and we'll post it, but I'm going to start closing this room out. Um, we've been going on for about two and a half hours now. <laughs> I was going to say about an hour ago, I said I'd close in 15 minutes. Uh, that's how clubhouse works. Right. Um, yeah. And then, uh, as far as, you know, people are still are here and, um, this clubhouse does now have recordings, So we've been recording this room. Um, I'm going to post it up on our podcast with strong Asian lead, um, just for people to other people to listen in to, yeah, we're not super popular or anything, but just want to make that announcement. If you don't want to be posted on there, let me know. We'll cut you out. Um, but yeah, this is kind of, uh, yeah, so I want people to find new films to listen to and be a part of the conversation because you now I think there's, um, there's definitely not enough Asian American rooms on clubhouse anymore. I miss those. And, we're going to start going back to a weekly room because this has been fun. This has been great. You, you know, it's been a nice small room, but the conversation here has been pretty, uh, has gone in different directions. And I, I enjoy that. I miss that a lot. I was speaking with Sato today, David, and uh, yeah, we're playing around with some ideas about Asians are visible and stuff like that. So, but uh, have you spoken with Sato recently, David? I don't know if you know her very well. But, no, um, I, we were talking back then. We were talking, you know, pretty fairly frequently during. The yeah, day, she's gone I'm, a bit quiet recently, but um, yeah, yeah, so have I. So it's all good. Louise, you had your mic off. Question to you, David: Were you the one that was? Did you do a little protest against the James Corden late night thing about <laughs> uh, the strange Asian food things that he does on that little? Yeah, stick? I did somebody, do that. Somebody took a picture and posted on Instagram. Who was it? Somebody did. It. I was like, oh, that was David. That's right. That was months ago. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah oh, I think we're... I was I was looking for that photo somewhere, but uh, was like, yeah, that was David who did that. Okay. Yeah, it's on my it's on my account still. So it's on I'm your account. Sure. Okay, but somebody yeah. else posted on one of our oh, really? chats as well. <laughs> yeah, so I was like... that's funny. Yeah, you know, I, I, part of that. I mean, I wanted to be there for that, and it was just down the street from me. But you know, they're they're in throughout history. There have been uh, physical protests against the media. Uh, mostly from MANA, the Media Action Network for Asian Americans. Um, they're not; they're still active. They're mostly in conversations and doing stuff. I just spoke to one of the founders for an interview mm. a couple of weeks ago, Guy Aoki, who also did. I'll put that link in here. Um, uh, he did a 
um, Sarah Silverman did a really terrible uh, racist joke. Yeah, she did. Right. And so Guy Oki went on politically incorrect. Yeah. Correct. And um, fought her on it. And it was like one of the most heated television debates on this, especially on this program. Um, And I'll link it here. Uh, And it's fantastic because it's the first time you see like an Asian man um, being so assertive. And he told me that um, throughout the whole, whole show, whole series of politically incorrect, not one person has ever had the, uh, been able to finish their thought. And he, d- he was the only person to do that because mm. he told Bill Maher, no, let me mm. finish. Let me finish. Let me mm-hmm. finish. And he mm-hmm. let him finish. Mm-hmm. And so he stood his ground. I'm like, whoa. And everybody else in the audience. And there, there's only two parts of this three part series. So on here, he has a third part. I'm like, you need to post that. Um, but he said that after the end of the show, Sarah Silverman just didn't give a fuck about him. And that the audience actually like stood when he stood up, they all like applauded yeah. him because he actually yeah. did all that stuff. So yeah, just fascinating history. And so I, for me to, you know, just go out to protest, like we should be protesting yeah. out there no, to do something. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, when I, I was always saying to Sato, it's not just being about visible, we need to be audible. We need to be heard mm-hmm. and seen as well. And that requires a significant level of assertiveness and being bold and being brave, which I always talk about. So, hey, David, I got to run right now, but uh, always great to take me into these things. So let's go. Hey, I was Have a good thing, right. people. Thanks, All Bill. Right. See you around. All right, David. David, Pedro, Luisa, take care. Bye. <laughs> Luisa, did you find that find that Instagram account? No, I'm I'm scrolling. I I was just gonna say that uh, when I find it, I'll send it to your Instagram. Okay, yeah, it sounds good. Um, but right on. Well, I'm gonna close out. I'm gonna fix some work, and it's been kind of a long day. But uh, I want to thank everybody for just, you know just joining the conversation and having the chat. It was uh, honestly really nice just to back on Clubhouse a little bit and talk about some hearing some other perspectives, learn about some new movies, and yeah, hearing some stuff. So thanks everybody. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. See you around. And if you want to follow us uh, more, you can follow our club at Strong Asian Lead at the top. Uh, all our Instagrams, you know, all the Strong Asian Lead. And our, we're, we'll be having our new podcast. Um, I'm still doing all the editing, but we'll be launching that in the next um, January with some interviews, some contemporary people. But then I will start doing some um, other solo topics. And season three, we're going to do um, – going to legacies so people who i've interviewed some people from the 1980s um you know people who we talked about here earlier today like clyde uh, from all american girl like amy hill clyde kusatsu uh, and some um, people who are artistic directors and uh, education directors at east west players um from, from before and uh, people who just who are the trailblazers people who did it before even we did it so um yeah those, those are really great conversations because they really uh, they didn't have anybody to look up to as at all. And so, you know, as we were starting to look back and see who were our legacies and trailblazers, um, these are some good interviews too that I haven't seen. And so we got a lot of stuff coming on for the next year and hopefully we can just keep growing that. But until then, have a wonderful evening and rest of your week. Take care, everybody.